So self-proclaimed video mercenary. Pit crew to iced tea and cocoa. Uh, Moroccan haggler. Mike Spinelli's bodyguard at toll booths. J.F. Musial. Nope. <laughs> Musial. Say it like you like it. J.F. Musial. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you could describe this lunch we just had in one word, what would it be? Cumbersome. Cumbersome? That's not a positive comment at all. Yeah, it was stumbling. We stumbled a lot. <laughs> you wow. Son of a bitch. No. We buy you lunch. Insightful. How about that? Insightful. No, 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 no you don't get to no, change it. No. Seven you three over here. You're done. Once again, if there's anyone, what was the thing? What was the hashtag we're running on him? Oh, it was a flag masturbant. Yeah. All right. Flag, hashtag flag masturbant at JF Musile. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. I was very angry the sound of a driver on the radio during a race. What do you think I should call And welcome to yet another edition of Dinner with Racers. Dinner with Racers! I'm Sean Heckman. I'm Ryan Eversley. And as many know, we've already got that uh, that television show up on the Amazon Prime, and we put out a bunch of podcasts as that all came out uh, related to it. But in addition to our 15,000-mile, six-month journey putting all that together, we also recorded a bunch of podcasts just for the sake of recording podcasts. So in one of our journeys, uh, we headed up to Lime Rock Park, and uh, Ryan did some race, and I did some PR in, and uh, we got a bunch of people in sort of the New England, uh, Massachusetts area, but we also then drove down to uh, New Jersey and had lunch with a friend of mine who I've known for quite a while now, a guy who's maybe less known but but extremely influential, J.F. Musual. I got to work with J.F. earlier this year with the uh, one of the TV shows he makes. We were featured with the uh, Civic Type R Honda and the Hart team at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And uh, that was really cool. So I got to know him a little bit. I, I know him more as, as Sean's friend, but his resume is really, really exemplary. So, JF, when it comes to video guys that uh, are way more successful than I am, uh, <laughs> JF is pretty much at the top of the list. He's done a ton of commercial work for a number of major manufacturers, but probably the, the staples that he's known for are several years ago, he founded a dedicated motorsport YouTube channel that was actually funded by YouTube. It was called Drive, and Drive became sort of the staple for sort of motorsport video content for several years. Uh, that has now become a, a time property. And now, in addition to just doing you know a lot of different videos for a number of manufacturers, uh, his big staple that people would actually know him for is he does a lot of the television shows that are on NBC sports uh everything from proving grounds to the show called drive uh, to uh, a bunch of new things that are also coming out this year which you'll hear about if you follow him on uh, on on the social digitals so we went over on national international day of friendship which seems appropriate since you and jf are friends to hudson hall which was a kick ass little restaurant like i want to go back there anytime i'm in jersey city which is never but I would highly recommend if you're in the area, check out Hudson Hall, really cool place. And uh, some of the things you're gonna hear about on this episode are almost getting your hand cut off. Uh, referring to yourself as a mercenary <laughs> and not just a freelance contractor, like a Do you want a minute? Do you want to take a minute? Having multiple guns pointed at you, kind of like a mercenary if you think about it. And also being labeled as a flag masterman. 
And you'll have a handful of bleeped names because JF actually cares about his career. Now, one of the things you need to know about JF, if you're into like cool car film and video, he's obviously known for that. The Apex series of films, which include like the supercar episode, uh, there's one on, on covering the Cannonball Run from California to, to New York and, and just things like that. So go on any of the streaming services like Netflix or Amazon, type in Apex and you'll probably see some of JF's work, which is really, really well done. Speaking of being really well done, how about how well Michael Avenatti drove us to Jersey City? Yeah, don't worry about speeding through here. I got it covered. And uh, what did Michael Avenatti drive us to Jersey City in? Well, he drove a vehicle that is supporting us, specifically us, just to be clear on name affiliations. That would be uh, Acura and this MDX that we're clearly riding in. And what kind of tires does that Acura MDX we're clearly riding in right now have on it? Uh, well, we're. I'll look out the window. Yeah, that's uh, those are Continental tires. Great. I think. Hold on, let me look out the window again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, their cross Good contact LX Sport. That's called Foley in the biz. Wow. JF would know that. JF knows everything. Meow. All right, we're gonna start in five, four, three, two. Oh, can you pretend like you just walked in? Oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, here. Hey, 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 man, put that headset on. For real? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, if you've ever seen any of our podcasts. Uh, yeah, if you've watched a couple I've never seen. I've heard. All right. Uh, That's a good we believe You pass that we test. We believe them? All right. I know. Seriously. I've, right. I've listened to them. There are, there are some um, PR types. Actually, you would know them. Um, uh, oh, wait. <laughs> who, uh, uh, who, when I have reached out for some of their prospective people within their camp mm -hmm. uh when i explain what this show is they uh, will occasionally say i've heard of it i haven't seen all of them yeah <laughs> and it's usually yeah. what we would call in the poker world a tell yes yeah yes. or so. in the real world for being a a an acclaimed uh local new jersey type yes. you're the most canadian guy i've ever met oh yeah you, in what way it, like we We've been working on another project for the last two hours with you, and um, you've apologized about 300 times. Yeah. I apologize a lot. That's one of my, my uh, fatal flaws. Yeah. Are you one of those people, and I do this, when uh, so you bump, someone bumps into you, like um, in the airport, you say sorry right away? It depends on where I am. It's okay. actually funny because if, if it's in New York, it's just expected, especially on the subway or so on the city street. You just don't acknowledge it. You just, it. Yeah, it right. doesn't, you don't, you yeah, don't even acknowledge it right. anywhere right. else. Um, yeah, but you get to yeah, like an airport is a good is a great example. Like LA is just like full of idiots walking around, and you bump okay. into them, it's just your fault, and <laughs> I, just, I just don't want to deal with them, so right. I apologize and move on. All right. Yeah, same thing. So he hates Los Angeles. First thing we've learned. What's JF stand for? John Francis. Ah, uh, so close. Uh, I said John Francois. No, John Francis. My two grandfathers' names. My mom won uh, that. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> you live in Jersey City because Brooklyn's like kind of just out, right? This is too hard and uh, expensive. And I've never been into Brooklyn. I think the best okay. way to put it is uh, so I was born and raised in New Jersey. I like the idea that you have a lot more space here. Um, the fact that people make fun of New Jersey is actually something I, I appreciate because yeah. it drives the value of the, the housing down <laughs> substantially. Keep those jokes going. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, uh, more so than anything else, because I travel so much, it's easy to get to an airport. Right, so right. where I live in Jersey City is no more than 12 minutes from Newark Airport. I can get on a plane and I travel every week. So it's just mm -hmm. the easiest and, and most effective solution. And quite honestly, when I did live in Manhattan, and I did live in Manhattan for quite a few years, uh, you just... You hate it after a while. You're stuck on <laughs> you're stuck on an island. Yeah, you really are trapped. Um, and 
it's not a good feeling. It's not a good vibe. It's you, you hear snowplows every every all throughout the winter. Right. Um, it's it's really tight and claustrophobic here in Jersey City. Yeah, I, I live in a studio. It's not not that big, but I've one of the best views in the world. Um, and I, I'm on the water. Yeah, You're on I'm the on water, it. and you can look over the New York skyline, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I can get anywhere easily with the with the subway. You yeah. Know, with the well, where I was going with that is Brooklyn's kind of like the hipster haven yeah and uh you're now in jersey city and we were both really gonna hate you if jf was like your name was actually jeff and you just oh god made it jf to be an artist (laughs) (laughs) uh everyone calls me jf with the exception of my mother who still calls me john francis absolutely Uh, when you're in trouble or just just all the time all the time usually i'm the one that's leading an interview so you have to do a better job at actually posing oh wow that didn't take so we've been here for six seconds (laughs) and uh, he's already an asshole All right, so um, I would argue that with our fan base, you're probably less of a household name um, because you're you're a guy behind the scenes. Yes. Um, but you and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, Ryan's very familiar with your work, and I think your place in sort of the the, the space of motorsport is, is a significant one because you do so much. Um, so, so so JF Moose Island in, in 20 minutes or less. Usual. Let's. Yeah. Holy. F- you couldn't get my name right. You don't know me. No. Unusual. Usual. Like unusual. I'm going Moose Island because it's so much f- whatever. Yeah. Us- think of it like this, Musialski. I'll just say Moose Island and I'll be right. So we're, we're, we're less than a mile from Ellis Island. Right. And <laughs> the original name was Musialski. They cut it off. It's oh, usual. To yeah. be less, less Polish. Polish, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're a video guy. Um, <laughs> video guy. Uh, 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 Mike Levitt probably hates you because of that. <laughs> Mike Levitt is the, like, He's a photo oh, person yes, for yes. IMSA. Right. Yes, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, okay. okay. For, for, for the He's thrown us out of media rooms. Right, because you're yeah. being too loud. So Mike yeah. Levitt. This is a professional. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Levitt, is, uh, he's, a, he's a photographer in the IndyCar and IMSA paddocks. Um, he sort of has a influential role within IMSA's um, photography process in terms of people getting credentials yep. and whatnot. Um, and um, he has this obsession with hating video people. Yes. Um, and I, to this day, like, you, I don't think you were in this photo meeting, but there was a race at like Laguna Seca a few years ago where uh, uh, the, the, the IMSA gentleman, given sort of the safety briefing during the mandatory photo meeting, uh, was saying, hey, we've noticed some people have been standing here too long or doing this too long. And Mike Levitt just could not stop yelling, it's the video guys! It's the video guys! Yeah, yeah. With the tripod. Yeah, they always with, yell about the it's tripod. always about the tripod. But yeah. he's, and like, I'm looking around the room, I'm like, I think I'm the only video guy here. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I've pissed anybody off, right. but maybe. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, yeah. are you the video guys? We are. Yeah, <laughs> we are. There have been rules written based off things that my team has done. Right. A uh, right. good example is uh, underneath the bridge at Laguna, at Laguna, I guess it's right before the uphill, the left-hand uphill. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. Five or six? Five. Yeah. Five, five or six, five. yeah. Sure. Uh, blind Tom Morningstar would... would uh, oh, he'd climb in the trees. He would climb under the bridge and <laughs> shoot God from... damn it, Tom. And shoot from the bridge. No, but you shouldn't do that. I agree. Never yeah. over the track, but he would get elevated on, on the Enough side. Enough that he could fall yes. and do some damage, uh, right? And they caught him one year, and they said that you can't do that. And he's like, well, actually... Your photo location zone says that I can't because <laughs> it was a green zone. You are and, a racer. And they, they had an actual dispute about it, and they're like, okay, just don't do it again. And then, of course, the next year, that okay. was fully off. Yeah. You and I are going to do a scene. Okay, I'm going to be an IMSA official. You're going to be what, what Tom should have been. You ready? Yes. Hey, you probably shouldn't do that. Uh, it says I can. Oh, no, your answer should have been, okay. And then just find <laughs> another goddamn shot. Just get over it. <laughs> He blew it. He blew it. All right. Because he's, yeah, he's real. He's real. You're the real problem. <laughs> Tom Tom was and is still an excellent shooter who does some pretty reckless stuff. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, I, I know. He's a disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy that learned at Nurburgring 24 that it was still within the rules to cross the track while the track was still hot. Wow. Is that still the case? Still the case. Oh, that's awesome. As of like last year. Yeah. Good never me. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're supposed to get you're supposed to get uh, permission from the closest flag worker and then the flag worker in front of him. Once they coordinate, you're allowed to run across the track. So they like radio to the next yeah. guy and then okay, yeah. I can yeah. go. Yeah. And yeah. then you stand there and you get on the ground and you wait for a guy to go by. <laughs> you have a friend in Germany. What are the liability laws over there like? Not as bad as here. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Not as bad as here. Yeah. So you're born and bred here. What did what did what did mom and dad do? Mm. Mother, uh, fashion designer. Oh, okay. So there's uh, yeah, a, there's an yeah. artiste in the in the family. Well, and father, architect. So both. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this all makes sense. Yeah, it's actually yeah, all adding yeah, yeah. up. Yeah. Not like Mark and Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mother. Uh, my mother was a, a fashion designer. Has worked for everyone from uh, Coach, uh, Louis Vuitton, uh, Craig T. Nelson, Ferragamo. Uh, no, not that Coach. Not that. Uh, no. Gap. Has she worked for Gap? Uh, she has not. No. Baby Gap. Okay. Baby How about Gap? No. Nope. How about Target Fall Fashion? Nope. That's my jam. <laughs> That's my jam. Uh, and my father was an architect. Uh, still is an architect. He's still... What still kind? Uh, mostly commercial. He's, done, he's actually worked on some very cool projects. Um, he actually worked with NASA oh. uh, back in the 60s and 70s and worked on the Apollo uh, launch pad. Uh, okay. He's one of several architects there. Uh, now he designs jails. Okay. <laughs> 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 that goes right in line. Yep. Yeah. You yep. know, yeah. Space, spacecraft in jail. Uh, jails and schools. He uh -huh. does jails and so schools. So JF is pro-private prison. <laughs> I'm not, no. You are pro But he did say that school and prison are the same. They're the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very okay. yeah. Where did you guys live? Uh, always out of New Jersey, uh -huh. uh, but a family that traveled quite a lot. So mother, uh, my mom traveled a lot to Europe. Mm -hmm. So I got a lot of exposure at a young age, just kind of seeing Europe and seeing, right. uh, particularly France. Uh, saw a lot of that. Uh, saw a lot of Paris. Uh, my father, same thing. You know, traveled a lot for work. Um, yeah. So based out of New Jersey, but kind of whole family travels. Gotcha. But it sounds like this is sort of a creative, like not only creative family, but creative family that actually made a living being creative. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is, I was which supposed is harder. To, uh, yeah. So I went to school actually here in Hoboken. I went to Stevens to be a uh, mechanical engineer. Uh, it was actually my good friend Alex who convinced me otherwise. Alex Roy? Alex Roy. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Um, I was actually a bridge inspector for the New Jersey Turnpike Authority for several years. Were you really? I was. Wait, so you got a mechanical engineering degree? Uh, no, I didn't get mechanical okay. engineering. Oh, no, no. They just hired him because he was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you got a cool name. No, You'll figure it out. I was an intern in that regard. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I see. Okay. Uh, you know, learning how to deal with. Um, if you haven't driven around New Jersey, you know that the roads are about to fall apart and there's yep. a lot of problems and right. not enough money. Um, so did that for a little bit and was not really fascinated or having fun with that and kind of, well, I was always into motorsports, always into motorsports photography, uh, would always go to, up to Lime Rock with my father and even, even past that into just my teenage years on my own, driving up to Lime Rock and taking photos. And uh, one person, a guy named Zarin, out of, uh, do you know Zarin? Uh, Maybe my face. He, uh, he still is kind of in the IMSA paddock. Uh, he, he was like, I need a photographer for something. I'll pay you. And it's the first time I had ever considered getting paid to take photos. Yeah. And I was like 17 or 18 years old. He hired me to take some shots. Um, and I'm like, F I can actually make money doing something that I actually care about and I want to do. And obviously, I went to college. I, I, I pursued engineering. Uh, I, I, but I always had in the back of my mind, the back of my pocket, that I could go do photography and be a photographer in, in right. motorsports. You're not going to go hungry. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. so um, last years of college, I was like, oh, I want to I do something while I still can. Let's, let's pursue something a little different. And it was Alex who actually convinced me to, like, you know, should really play in video. It's really, up, it's really coming to be something. This is right when YouTube was, like, you know, 2005, right when, before yeah. it was acquired. <laughs> it was like, you should actually start making video content. Right. Um, 
see how that goes. And he was the one that convinced me to just go try something new. Okay, and, and just as you, not everybody uh, in, in our fan base knows who Alex is. So Alex Roy, um, he's not particularly in the racing scene, but he's a known entity within sort of the car scene. Yes, correct. Um, he basically, uh, uh, he was known for souping up streetcars, putting big old police logos on them. Police Eye 144 is his, is his trademark or yes. logo. Uh, because he wanted his car to look like it was like a German cop. Um, and his his most his biggest claim to fame was setting the record from going from uh, New York to Los Angeles in what like 31 hours. 31 hours, four minutes. Four minutes, yeah, so. which had never been done before. In 366 days after he accomplished that feat, he then put out a book or something to that effect. Yeah, he yeah. put a book out. Uh, yeah, so so his whole life, and I think uh, I don't know I don't know how many people know about it, but just kind of reference point. Brock Gates um, in the 70s started the, the Cannonball Run, um, and that was kind of a, a, an FU to the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit, um, saying that we could drive on these roads fast. They were cars were fully, fully capable, um, and we can drive cross coast-to-coast coast as safely as, as, you, as you can in these high-performance cars. Um, that went on until about the 80s, until Brock Yates kind of sold out a little bit and sold the rights to Fox, what became known as the Burt Reynolds movie, The Cannonball Run. Um, but after that happened uh, in the early 80s, there was something called the U.S. Express. From 80 to 83, the hardcore guys of the Cannonball kept running these illegal races from New York to Los Angeles, or rather New York to California. There were a few races that went to San Francisco. Um, and there was this, like, this, this myth of these guys and girls that would just race as fast as they could every October from, from coast to coast. And Alex grew up knowing those stories. Um, Alex's father uh, had a friend who had done it. And Alex grew up knowing these stories and was like, well, one day I'm going to do it. And one day I'm going to set the fastest time cross country. Um, and uh, it took him a few years. And he was obsessed with the idea of these kind of rallies, uh, different parts of the world. Finally got into it seriously, very discreetly. And he did four, uh, three runs okay, cross stop. country. You yep. just said Alex did something discreetly. Yeah, I know. And the Alex I know does nothing discreetly. <laughs> well, it's because he wasn't famous yet. Ah, uh, right, right. No, but, but when he was guess. doing this cross country stuff, he was very discreet. He made people sign NDAs. And, okay. and I was one of those people because I was his friend. Well, it was also time. highly illegal. What very, he was doing. very yeah, illegal. Yeah. So. Um, so in 2006, he set the record 31 hours, four minutes, uh, waited a year for the statute of limitations to run out, published a book about it, and everyone thought he would get arrested, go to jail. The, actually, quite the opposite happened. Um, the FBI contacted him and said, we want you to speak at Quantico. Uh, he was, became a, a, a speaker for Google. He did, he did all these weird speeches to, to kind of explain how he did something so illegal and how he was able to motivate a small team to actually be to able do to it. do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he'd be like a car-based Tony Stark. How'd you meet him? Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually a great question. Uh, I met him at the New York Auto Show. I think it was like 2004, 2005, just randomly. Gave him, gave him my business card. We, changed, we were just talking. Uh, but he wasn't a thing yet, right? No. So then how did you meet a stranger named Alex Roy? Like, uh, just talking to him at a show, at a car show. Okay. Yeah. So you're just two guys hanging out. Two guys hanging okay, out. Okay, it's not two like you're guys hanging out. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have to specify that, but now and at this point you're like in you're still doing the bridge thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're you're on the way to being an ME. I was like 19, 20 years old. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you meet Alex Roy. Alex then goes on to become kind of a thing. Yeah. Um and uh and kind of opens your eyes to this sort of this video content world yeah. of motorsport that's starting to develop. Yeah. Or automotive, I should say. Yeah, and and started doing content. Um so he actually wrote a book and he actually had my name in the book. And this is the kind of the the, the the 30,000 foot view of how this all came to be. He wrote this book, put my name in the book. Uh, a year after the book came out, a guy named Emil Rensing came forward and said... Uh, Don't laugh, his name's coming up a lot. <laughs> a guy named Emil Rensing said, I read your name in this book and I'm, I'm actually starting this whole new thing. It's called Next New Networks. It's, 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 uh, it's like a podcasting company. 
Um, and we, uh, we want to start an automotive vertical. Uh, we have already hired Mike Spinelli. Um, and I think you'd be a good producer. And I kind of looked at him and said, I don't know what a producer is. And you're still like the college kid at this point? I'm still, a co I'm still senior in college, yeah. Okay. And you're, on, you're still on your way to looking at bridges all day? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, he, he approaches me and says, look, uh, a producer is, is very simple. You've got to be able to do three things. One, you've got to manage time. Can you manage time? Yes, I can manage time. Can you, uh, can you manage budgets? Are you good with your money? Yes, I'm good with my money. And then the final thing about being a good producer is, well, can you manage egos? And I'm like, I, I have no idea what that means. He's like, that's the one thing most people need to learn. So he said, why don't you just give it a shot? Um, come be a producer for this, for this car show, uh, this podcast car show called Fastlane Daily. We'll see how it goes. Um, there's a guy named Mike Spinelli. I knew who Mike was at this point. He was running Jalopnik uh, and a few other people I knew. And, and um, before we knew it, we were doing a daily automotive podcast called Fastlane Daily. Uh, did that for about... 1,100 episodes, uh, which was... Daily. Daily. How long were these things? Uh, seven minutes each. Okay. No, yeah. and like very minimal editing, I assume. Very just talking minimal. about what's going yeah, on. It was, yeah, but it was really, it was boot camp. Uh, yeah. Writing scripts at 5 a.m., yeah. shooting by 8.30, 9 o'clock, editing it by noon, getting it out by 1 o'clock. Uh, and we were just, we, we, we were at the early ages of YouTube, and we learned so much from that kind of boot, boot camp experience in terms of algorithms, in terms of, uh, you know, what type of content did well, what type of, uh, what type of like, words you would use to get better traffic, so on and so forth. Right. And you had this whole time you were doing it with a methodology to it, like actually yeah, analyzing we, and we saying. Were, we were, yeah, there was a lot of math behind it, a lot of, um, a lot of analytics to kind of look behind the scenes to understand what did well and what content did well and timing of the content associated with yeah, the new yeah. car releases. Like and, when to release. And yeah, 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 exactly. So we, we got very good at that science. Um, long story short, jumped to 2008, uh, sorry, 2009, uh, Next New Networks, and this was founded by guys like uh, Herb Scannell, who now runs BBC America, Fred Seiberg, who was the guy that made the MTV Moon Man. Uh, oh, like he okay. was a big, big player at MTV. Uh, Jed Simmons, his father uh, founded ESPN. Um, so like this, this, this new age company was founded by a bunch of smart individuals. Yeah, Amol was, uh, Amol was one of them. Amol was one of the original creators of AOL Instant Messenger. Um, when he was a 17-year-old kid in, in right. Washington. And so um, this, like, this like late 2000s era, Jalopnik was really kind of grow. And it, I almost felt like you guys were, even if you weren't officially in this capacity, you guys were almost like the AV extension of this. This is like new media yeah. concept of yeah. people that were doing automotive journalism, but not sticking to the norms of what automotive journalism should Correct. have been. And yeah. you guys were doing yeah. sort of the AV version yeah, of Yeah, Next Networks had, had quite a bit of uh, funding. So we could actually play an experiment and see what was going on. And it, and it worked out because Google eventually bought it. And Next New Networks became the original content division of YouTube. So it did work out. And we, you know, th th those experiments and learning about audiences, it, it all played out. Now, where are you from a leadership standpoint at this point? While at Next New Networks, I was a producer. Just for, like one guy? Were there uh, several producers? There were several producers, but okay. uh, at, at, towards the end, right before everyone got fired <laughs> uh, and it was sold, uh, I was the lead producer. Right. I was running the ship. Right. But you didn't have to necessarily run the business of it. I didn't have to run the business. I was running the right. content division. Okay. Um, when I uh, left Next Next Networks during the acquisition, um, I went off and started my own production company called Tangent Vector. Heard of it. Uh, yeah. So Tangent Vector uh, was basically the mercenaries of the industry. Um, the way we... we what? You fucking ass. Did you just say that? Who says that? Who Did says you that? say mercenaries? According to who, are you the mercenaries of the industry? I'm going to say that. Okay, that's All a problem. Right. Um, <laughs> you don't get to give yourself a nickname. <laughs> I was calling you out. <laughs> we were like the badasses of the No, area. no, no. I'm, I'm saying in the sense of that we were not producing content for ourselves or producing content for anyone who would hire us. You that's my phrase. Why didn't you just say that? 
Uh, just, I think, I think <laughs> Mercenary you're ready. sounds cooler. Yeah, because I'm edgy, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm a disruptor. We, I'm, I live in Jersey City. We did not have. I live in Hoboken. We didn't, have an, we didn't have an editorial brand associated with ourselves at that point. We were just producing content for whoever would pay right. for it. Right. You were freelance contractors. Yeah. Not mercenaries. Mercenaries. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing jobs for hire. We used to kick in doors and murder people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With content. With content. <laughs> With a Sony NEX. Yeah. HVX. A lot of good videos. A lot of good videos. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that we did that for like three to four years. Uh, and then um, the friends I had at YouTube who once worked at ne- Next Networks came back and said, we have a... F- Real serious problem with content on YouTube. There are too many cat videos and too many videos of guys. It was like, what, 2011? Yeah, 2011, 2010. Yeah. They, they realized that they had, con- they had a lot of content, but most of the content was really bad content. Right, and it was legitimately like cat videos. There was a point on YouTube in the late 2000s, like 2010, that it was something like 30% of all videos up on YouTube were pet-related. That's a real stat. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And they couldn't sell against it. They just couldn't sell against it. They couldn't sell ads because yeah. who wants to look at somebody's cat? Yeah. yeah. So they, they came up with this plan to, um, to, get, uh, to dish out about $100 million worth of grant money to different producers uh, in different verticals. Automotive was one of them. So makeup, fashion, automotive, whatever. Yeah, yeah the, what are food, whatever it may be. Yeah, we've got this $100 million and we're going to siphon it out to different Correct. categories of all the major markets. Yeah. That so in automotive, it was car and driver, motor trend, and top gear, who yeah. initially were pitched to, to take a few million dollars. They were the disruptors. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Welcome uh, to your whole episode. So <laughs> Top Gear turned it down um, and really? came to us. Uh, rather, rather, the people at YouTube came to us and said, look, we know you from the early Next New Networks days. Top Gear turned down this money. Come up with a name. Come up with a game plan. Pitch us in a week. You'll have the money. And we did. Nice. We came up with Drive. Uh, yeah. It was October of, uh, sorry, September of t- 2011. Came up with the idea. October 2011. Pitched it to YouTube. They said, good. You got it. Now put the people together. And then in a month, I had to come up with a team. And okay. that included everyone from Spinelli to Farrah to Chris to, to everyone. Chris Harris. Yeah, Chris yeah. Harris, yeah. Was it called The Drive and then Justin Timberlake had lunch with you? It was called Drive. From the beginning. From the beginning. There was no so Justin Timberlake. Just no. Drive. It was just Drive. Ah, it was just the Drive. The. Yeah. Lose the the. So we actually got around the copyright of Drive because we put, put the slash in front of it. Oh, so that like slash. The slash the Drive. Because the logo is synonymous. Because the slash was in front of it, we went to the trademark and, and, and we were able to get that trademark right there. Yeah. <coughs> because it had the slash in front. You didn't claim fair use? Fucking <laughs> 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 It's going to be like this. Strap in, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be like this for an hour. Afternoon. <laughs> so end of 2011 was insane. Uh, from October to December, once we got the money, we had to turn out a bunch of content and... The deal was 140 hours of content in one year, but the contract was so loose that we, we found some kind of loopholes in there. So we wanted to do something around Le Mans, and they said we could do some live streaming. So we did the 25 hours of I remember this. 25 hours of the 24 hours of Le Mans yeah. live stream. So of your 140 hour requirement, you could do 25 in one giant live stream. Exactly. Now you're down to 115. Exactly. Yeah. And then we were able to use the, the money better on certain Halo content. Yeah. So of course, Chris Harris was the Halo content. Right. And then Spinelli with Afterdrive, which was the Talking Head show, was right. you know down to like a, a dollar a minute worth of right. content. And I think that's one of the things that people maybe don't really like. The, the number of 140 doesn't sound like a scary number for somebody who doesn't produce video because it's like oh, 100 like i work 140 hours in a month or it's whatever absurd. it's absurd yeah, yeah. Uh, but then when you realize like it takes a week or weeks to put together a five minute video yeah and like oh shit, we gotta do that times you know 50 yeah that's another story yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah so we built drive and long story short you know it was sold uh four years later to time inc uh now it's called the drive 
Uh, we still retain the rights. Did Justin Timberlake show up at the time office and say, put in the. <laughs> There's a story for why the <laughs> came into the picture. How did it come into the picture? Uh, there was a point at which Time Inc. was about to back out of the deal, and they th felt they could get around the trademark by adding the in front of the, the name Drive. Wait, so what was the trademark? Oh, I see. So trademark they, was slash So drive. they were going to f*** you yeah. by, and then by with the Drive as sort of their competitor to you. So why did it eventually switch? Uh, we had a good enough case to prove to them otherwise that to, if they were to go down them. that route, it wouldn't have ended well, well for, for them. them. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just heard the uh, Mafia JF show up right there. <laughs> <laughs> that code for we have an audience base, they listen to us, we can make this difficult. Yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't have looked good for Time Inc. who was trying to get into a new vertical automotive. Right. So then immediately have a, you know, some yeah, kind of legal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On their side. So, yeah, it turned out well, though. Um, uh, Did they want to pull out because of some of the background problems you guys were having or because they just uh, literally didn't want to pay the money? I think, that, I think that was part of it. I also think that there were certain individuals within the team that felt that they could get away with it. Okay. Uh, and they didn't need us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there were some background problems beyond the scene. Right. Well, then we may or may not get into that depending on your comfort level. <laughs> I'm cool with it. I'm totally oh, cool with it. Okay. Yeah, totally. Oh, totally, totally. Well, you know, so should we just jump into this? Uh, okay, because this is normally this comes later in a podcast, but you need to drink more. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that's sort of unique to you is so through all of this, there had been some sense of funding. So you had a partner through almost all of this. Uh, uh, I'm going to Amel. Yes, Amel. Yes. Okay. Um, there was points at which he put money into the business, but the initial funding came from Google. Okay. Um, no, into the yeah, right. But like next new networks, yep. where all this started from. Yes. That was sort of so. yes, that was him. So Amel Rensing. Funds next new when networks yes. gets you going. So I mean, Alex obviously played a big part, but but Amel through basically the next seven years of your career is a pretty big part of this deal, right? So he starts next new networks with another couple guys. That starts Fast Lane Daily. Yes, that gets you the attention to to get the YouTube channel. Now in 2012, you did start Tangent Vector, which was your own operation. Correct. Without him. Without him. Yes. Uh, but uh, but without him none of this would have transpired necessarily. Yeah, on the editorial side, if it weren't for him, not, Drive would not exist and neither would Fastlane Daily. And, and, and still to this day, and you know, jumping to the end of the story, even though he's in jail now, I still respect him as being one of the most brilliant editors sure. and, and writers I yeah. think the industry has ever seen. Really good at invoicing, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So what you didn't know was this whole time, Emil, uh, and you're way more qualified to speak about this than I am, but Emil was also an executive at, uh, Viacom. at, at Viacom yeah. for a channel at the time called uh, Epics. Uh, Epics, which, are they still even around? I don't Epics know. Epics still exists. They actually okay. do quite well. Uh, okay. It's a partnership between, I think, a few different movie studios. Right. They're competitor to HBO and Showtime. Right. So basically, you turn on Epics, it's this, I think it's a, it's, yeah. and it's not, it, the big thing with them is they're not premium. They're part of a basic cable yeah, he, package. He was chief technology officer of, of Epics. Epics, right. And, 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 and I'll put it right, that, right out there. Like, Emil's a brilliant person. He, yeah. came, he actually came up with some very smart technologies. And, yeah. and the way we stream on our phone and the way, way that um, you are able to watch movies on your phone. Remember, remember the days of having to download a movie and it would take days? It would take days to download yeah, a movie. Yeah, well, the movies I watched yeah. were usually about seven minutes long. But. <laughs> uh, Emil was able to develop technology that, um, you know, you'd break a video file up until, into 10-second increments. Yeah. And every 10-second had seven different qualities in terms of the resolution. Right. So when you wanted to start watching a film, think of what, what first comes on screen in the first right. few it, minutes it, of the it's screen. It's title, it's, it's title sequence. It's stuff that doesn't really matter. That doesn't need to be in high resolution. Right. So he was able to develop an algorithm that when you press play, it would immediately start playing 
with low quality video. Every 10 seconds, it'd be different files. Right. And then once you started getting into the content, it would actually be the higher quality content. Because it's had time to cache. Because it's had time to cache. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's very, he's a very smart person. He was right. a very smart person. Too smart for his own good. Right. Because meanwhile, while he's working at Epix, and I don't, I honestly do not know what the f I'm talking about here, but basically he had some invoicing scheme with Epix where he was doing side deals with vendors that were not vendors and he was basically pocketing all these contracts that he was handing out for Epix. The way I understood it was that was it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. So I think he was, it was about $7 million that he had stolen right. um, over the span of a few years. Right. Um, so he has all this capital to kind of get going with Next New Networks. No, 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 no. The, the Epix thing came way after Next oh, New really? Networks. Oh, really? Okay. The, the money from Next New Networks had nothing to do with what all the bad things he did. Okay. Amal made his money way before all that. Or ah, made some money way before okay, that. Based on the technologies yeah, he'd Based off other things he did as, as a teenager in his early 20s. Pot. What happened with Epics, I think, was um, it's just a sad situation of a man that <laughs> it was greed involved and he, was, he thought he was smarter than he really was. He was a very smart man and he thought he could get away with it. And it, it's actually quite, it's really sad. It's right. how he evolved and how he just kind of dug himself in the ditch of trying to live this lifestyle that he couldn't really afford. Sure. And he just kept kind of trying to well and so so from 2011 to 2015 uh, YouTube deal we, we sold one? drive in 2016 2016 okay yeah. so for five years you're going to youtube and youtube basically has sort of a a price that they're paying you every two years yeah um and then it's sort of a draw against what they get in advertising that's revenue. correct yep it's a um, it's a advance against ad revenue right uh and and what you didn't know was this was actually happening to you guys too to a lesser extent uh because he was taking a cut of that that you didn't even know existed Correct. No, no, no. You, we can. Yeah, it's just it, it gets a little gray in okay. terms of who claims what. But yeah, there were there are elements of of uh, uh, him basically signing con forging contracts in certain regards with uh, Google. Not with Google. Okay. No, but with other people, with other vendors, okay. um, and claiming money was going places that it wasn't. I see. Um, you know, the the big criminal acts that he that took place had to do with Epics and what he was doing there. We were a rounding error in the, in yeah, the grand scheme of things. In the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But you guys were dealing with this, right? Like, as he's getting investigated, you're getting wind of this? We got wind of it probably six months before the FBI arrested him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because we were starting to get questions. By the FBI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So myself and my business partners were all So you're questions. sitting in your office and some agent shows up like, hey, can we talk for a minute? Uh, no, it wasn't that. It happened to a few other people. It was a phone call and then... Hey, let's meet up, and then before I knew with it, the, and they're they're disclosing they're with the FBI. Yeah. FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I full on went into a wow interview room and did the whole thing. Did the whole thing. Did you ever see FBI surveillance fan on your Wi-Fi networks? <laughs> no, but <laughs> I guess they don't do that. I did get subpoenaed, and they did take pretty much all my emails. Yeah. That's so they were they were swiping your emails, and you had no idea. Uh, I knew. Okay. Yeah, I knew. Okay, because this was part of a cooperative. Yeah. Because yeah. I assume if the FBI is investigating you and he's got shady business dealings and you guys are effectively working together, yeah, you need to be cooperative to prove like I, I ain't got nothing to do yeah, with yeah. this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it took it took some time to just fully explain it, and and at a certain point it was fully explained. And you got to remember we're dealing with millions of dollars here, right. and, and and we had all the proof to show that the money we were spending was going to quality content and going to actual things that we were being made. Right. There was a cost of goods sold here. Right. Uh, and that was backed up, and then. And then there was elements of just trying to understand, you know, there was confusion on their side. They mm -hmm. didn't know the man. Right. I knew the man better than most just right. because I had interacted with him right. for so many years. And, and still to this day, I think he's a very smart person that was just troubled uh, right. more than anything else. Right. Um, but, yeah, with the FBI, I think and this is, you know, this, this all happened 2016. 
um, I, I, I have to say that whole experience, like I, it was eye-opening. And it made me believe in the justice system. Sure. It made me really believe in the FBI in terms of their quality work and how due diligent they were and how... how because at no point, once you are able to prove yourself, they weren't out to get you, per yeah, se. And absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And even when they were still unknown, they still treated me, you know, like they did after they had all the facts. They gave you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. 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 So I, had a lot of, I have a lot of respect for, for the Justice Department and, yeah, everything in that, in that yeah. realm. Did you, did you have to pay for your uh, lawyer? I have, I have, we have a lawyer on staff for okay. our company, so, yeah. wasn't wasn't a big deal. No. Okay. How long did he go away for? Uh, four and a half years. He's actually in the same jail. He's in uh, Otisville, same place that Michael Cohen is in right now. Nice. Hanging out with Michael Cohen. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, usually I'm the one that's actually, like, conducting interviews, but no, I want to switch. Show? So, you guys spend so much time in the car together. Yeah. What is that experience like with each other? Like, <laughs> like, I, I know Sean from from working together in certain ways. Like yeah, he, yeah. he drinks Monster Energy and yeah, no fruit, blue, no whatever vegetables. the blue is, which is uh, low carb. Low carb, it's healthy. So I'm helping you. you. I'm telling you what you get. As a professional driver, yeah. How do you feel about his diet? And then also, what's it like being in the car with him as a co-driver? Okay, so this isn't your show, but I'll <laughs> I'll indulge you, and then we'll edit this out. Um, this show is very stressful because we're not making millions of dollars and it takes away a lot of time from other projects and it's always on the road. Like we don't do this from home. So it, I, I don't fault his, his diet because when we're both home, we actually eat very healthy, but when we're on the road. It's like so much stress and just like, you know, I'm trying to think of the right word. Well, it's depression. It's, yeah. Like it's, we, we're sort of eating our calorie or uh, eating our feelings. Eating our in feelings. A way. Exactly right. Um, because like, I, and maybe you've changed your ways, but I mean, you know, like a late night of editing, right? Like uh, when it's a late night of editing and, and you're, you're, you're due the next day, sometimes you look at horrible food as the way to keep you going. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know yeah, exactly yeah. what this is. Coders yeah, yeah. go through the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, imagine if every day was like that for 35 days straight because yeah. we got an eight hour haul to oh, the I next know. place and then we got to get our energy up for the next guy the next day. Yeah. Um, it's, it's horrible for me. I, yeah. I, like, yeah. Spending so much time on the road. Like, yeah. I've, since you met me, I think you met me when I was like 40 pounds lighter. Yeah, but I yeah. wasn't a whole lot different. Yeah. But I would say in terms of the road trip, there's a very strong understanding of trying not to upset the other person because it's we're side by side. We share a room. We don't have budget. You know, it's got not it, like, I'll see you in the morning. Got it's got literally it. like you got to just suck up some things and shut up about some things. And sometimes you bitch. And, it, and like we both do this where we're complaining to the other person, but just to get get yeah. frustration right. out you know what I mean and right. and there are things and I mean I'm sure I'm the same I'm sure I do the same to you and I just don't know it there are things that Ryan will do that normally I would call somebody out for but I won't because I'm like I don't want to deal with this for seven more hours in this car the other thing right. is like I think people know we're a little bit inappropriate. Yeah. I don't think people know yeah, no, no, like, no, no, no. how bad these conversations the, go the, quickly. The running joke we have is that if we just had a live mic in the car, we would get a billion followers, but we would lose <laughs> every opportunity we've ever had ever again. So it's like we'd have the fan base and no one would be able to touch us. Like it would be horrible. But yeah, but it's a necessary evil, I think, for the make this work yeah, because yeah. we're not going to do this over the phone and everything we do, we overdo. Yeah. That's mostly you because I don't know any better. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I guess we, like, you were like, today, like, that's a lot of equipment. I'm like, is it? He doesn't, yeah, I'm like, shut the <laughs> f off. He doesn't know. <laughs> I'm going with JF. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, and then you but. said something on the walk in. You, you, you commented, like, oh, Ryan carries stuff in. <laughs> you're like, because what are you carrying that you're for? You're used to working with, quote, talent that doesn't do that because that's the standard practice that talent doesn't 
set things yeah, up. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> we need a third person now. We, we, have, show, we, yeah. have, we have certain talent on our team that does carry stuff and certain talent that couldn't care less. Right. Could, could care less. Yeah. Is it because that talent that doesn't care less just doesn't know any better? No, I think there's a privilege element to it. Oh, uh, the, wow. I, look, look I'll, I'll, I'll put a rat right out there. Uh, you know, Spinelli and Chris. Um, you know, Chris worked Harris. his ass yeah. off to mm-hmm. get to where he is today. This is Chris Harris, who's Chris now, Harris. Who's yeah. now yeah. one of the, I'm still, I believe, one of the hosts of Hosted Top, Top Gear. Yeah. Man, he's you know? awesome. Yeah, yeah, he, I, I don't know everything guy. about the guy. I've never he, met him or anything, but I just like him. He, he is an asshole. Oh, Let's just be okay. clear about that. Well, he, is he a or an asshole? No, he's just, oh, how, do I, how do I phrase that? He's just a dick. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way to put okay. it. Okay, okay. Um, now I don't like him anymore. He, no. he, uh, he rubs everyone the wrong way. He doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> I'm back he, in. He, uh, he does not, um, he ho- never holds back. But at the end of the day, what I love most about him is that he cares about the end product. He thinks about the edit. He thinks that he actually, like when we're shooting in car, he recognizes the fact that there's a shadow on his face and says, I, I got to do it again. I get, there was a shadow on my face. I got to do it again. And he'll spend every hour during the day to get the best possible product. And then at the end of the day, he'll work with the team to get everything in order and make sure everything was done. Um, and he does the job. Like he puts in the hours. And I, I would say the same thing about Spinelli. Spinelli is, is hardcore in that regard. He, f- he cares. Yeah. Um, and I love that. My limited experience on Spinelli was that he doesn't have the ego that doesn't do things. Yeah, like it, he just wants to be one of the guys. To make he wants it, to be one of the guys, and yeah. he actually cares about uh, right. cares about telling a good story. Well, and I don't know Chris's background, but these are also guys who had to build their own careers. Correct. So yeah. you have to be that way Correct. if it's going to work. Right. So. Uh, and the best ones are always the ones that were writers first, I've realized. Best on camera. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I never thought Because they that. edit themselves. Chris is an expert in the sense of he'll pull his phone out, write a line, read it a few times, edit it, wordsmith it, then he remembers it and goes right to camera. So... Those are those are true professionals, and that's why Chris is on Top Gear, and that's why he is where he is today. Does he carry Pelican cases? Uh, he used to. Okay. Not necessarily anymore. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll take it. They have a real crew. <laughs> on Top Gear? <laughs> more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> do you have more guys, uh, more cameras than crew? Do I have more cameras than crew? Yeah. Like, do you have two guys operating four cameras? Uh. Yeah, that's usually how that goes. Okay. Yeah. So outside of like legit F1 stars like a Sebastian Vettel or Mario Andretti, have you worked with anyone who thought they were maybe more of a celebrity than they really are because it is just car racing? Yes. Name and names. We're going to need names. And we will blur, We will bleep we, them if, if we needed, feel, but yeah. we need to know. Yeah. Uh, you thinking IMSA paddock or anything? We'll no, start anyway. there. IMSA, yeah. IndyCar. Yeah. IMSA's great because no one's famous. Yeah. <laughs> I think so is up there yeah that's a you'd be surprised how many times it's yeah. the same people mentioned every time yeah, yeah, yeah. not well, a very popular guy uh, no. yeah he, yeah he was a little bit too much um, like in terms of just like clarifying things or I won't do that or you have to be here at this time uh, not actually a little bit of all of that but yeah. just kind of overall a dick I'll, I'll give you the goods and the bads the ones that shocked me the, the most in terms of good Joseph Newgarden I loved working with yeah, him yeah we, we sat down we with love him that guy. He's, he's he gets he gets it Totally gets it. Yeah, totally yeah. gets it. Yeah. Yeah, down to earth and knows how to play the game. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and at no point is it like, no, I can't do that. He'll just find a way around it. Right. Like, right. And without having to make you right. be in a bad um, spot. Uh, Michael Christensen, love working with him. He's smart. He, he gets it. Um, oh, actually, favorite interview, Daniel, Daniel Ricardo. Weird. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> he seems so boring. And uh, oh, he actually made me buy him a new pair of shoes after an interview that we did in Montreal. What'd you do? 
we went on one of those boat boat rides on the St. Lawrence, and his shoes got wet, and he he, he complained to, and we had to buy him a new pair of shoes. You know, it, fasc it fascinates me in terms of like, you know, those the drivers that are the best are usually the people that have the best PR people to recognize the strengths and weaknesses and when not to allow certain things that will get a driver in trouble, but then letting them do everything else that they're comfortable with and that defines their personality. Weird. It's almost like we have the same take. I don't have a beer <laughs> um, So uh, I'm going to let you be my voice because like we, Ryan and I talk about my obsession with bad PR people all the time, mm -hmm. but you probably deal with it every bit as much as I do, if not more. Yes. I have a great story. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go. I, I have a great story. Out with it. Be funny. Go. Um, talk about that. For Drive, I once did a, a whole series of inside factories, like an inside series um, of different factories. Everyone from, uh, it started with Koenigsegg, then went to Porsche, Bentley, Audi, all the different factories and where they build all the special stuff. And a PR person who had seen the series had set up this whole thing for us and was really bad with email, really didn't fully follow up and was like pulling teeth. Got all the way to shoot for three days. Were you there for anything else? We had other things going on. Okay. But uh, we had planned for three days. Uh, we had planned for three days and show up, get to the factory gate, give our names. Um, a long delay. They finally let us in. And when we walk through the front door, there's three people there waiting for us. And I could tell something was wrong. <laughs> and good, good start. It, it started with, I don't know how this happens, but for the next two weeks, the factory is closed for, for holiday. There's no one here. I don't know what you want to shoot. I'm like, are you kidding me? We, we, we have this whole team here to shoot this yeah, whole series. And this is like, it's not just that it's an inconvenience. This is money spent. Yes, absolutely. Like, your yeah. guys, like, it's not like you still have to pay them whether yeah. they're there or not. Yeah, exactly. But go on. Um, and it was terrible. It was, it was absolutely terrible. They were like, well, we can give you a tour of the whole factory, but, you know, there are no cars in it. So for your, your lovely little show, you can get a lot of static images. Yeah. Do a lot of pans, a lot of tilt downs. So their solution was, well, we know someone at... Pro Drive, would you rather go there? And uh, I was like, absolutely. So we basically just shifted the entire episode around. Like, okay, Pro Drive. we're going to Pro Drive. That's yeah. where I met Rebecca Jones, who's still, is yeah. a, you know Rebecca? Mm -hmm. She's yeah. great PR. She does, she's, she's UK based. She does a lot of stuff in yeah. Europe, but she does some Pikes Peak stuff as well. Her husband's Tom Onsell Cole. Yep. Big, really good GT3 driver. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she basically had her day off and came in and gave oh, us this cool. awesome tour and yeah. got us all the right stuff. And that's where we saw the Pro Drive. Uh, Vantages or mm -hmm. MV8s, what are they called back then? GT3s, mm -hmm. the first ones being I think built. Vantage, right? Yeah, 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 the first ones being built. Yeah. Um, and we actually came came back with something, but like that's like an example of something that was terrible that went right at the end. But yeah, so sometimes you just deal with PR people that just don't get it and just right. completely fuck you. Yeah, the email response is usually a good sign of what you're up against. Right. Yeah. My experience is a lot of times video falls into what I call a box checking mentality. Yes. Where it's a manufacturer, especially if it's a manufacturer video, the video is just one of the things they need to do, but there's no thought into how it's all supposed to combine into one solid message with all their other mediums. Not entirely. I think, I think uh, manufacturers have gotten a little bit smart about it right now, but I also think that the entire industry is kind of, um, you know, it's, it has to be measured because there's money being spent against it and there's a PR value associated with everything that gets yeah, done. Yeah. Um, how that gets tracked, I think, is a little bit up for debate um, is the best way to put it. Um, but on the video side, uh, I think it's easier for us with NBC to get uh, better reception because it is such a known quantity. 
Uh, so the, the fact that it is network television, yes. you're going to get the response you want out of yeah. people. Yeah. Anything, any request I generally have for a vehicle or a person or any kind of stunt related to the NBC shows, I get it. You I get immediate I, responses. I get immediate responses. I, you know, even even the people that you would think would never respond. For <laughs> even if it's something that's outside what they are comfortable with, they'll at least have the conversation. Okay. Um, on the web side, it's much different. Um, I think that especially what's looking right now it's going the way of the vlogger they think that there's more value in vloggers this is why he's made it and i have him so i'm like ah f them they're lazy <laughs> and you're like no no let's analyze this <clears throat> yeah i thought his answer was bullshit. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um still like you though <laughs> actually you were mentioning a couple of things i don't think we established yet so you mentioned NBC. so yeah. after you sold uh off the youtube thing that to the drive once justin timberlake suggested the name change um Tangent Vector was back to on its own, and you guys were doing a combination of, you know, four higher projects, mercenaries, if you will, uh, <laughs> for a number of very high-end OEM clientele. Correct. Yeah. Um, f***ing bastard. And, uh, <laughs> but then you've also, like, a lot of NBC Sports motorsport programming right now, the sort of before race, after race kind of stuff, a lot of times that's coming through your, your yeah. house. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, Drive on NBCSN is an obvious one. You guys, uh, and then you uh, proving grounds. Correct. Yeah. On. What's 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 the full J? Yeah. So so three shows this year. Uh, drive uh, Drive on NBC Sports. We retained the the rights to to use the Drive name for television after we sold the brand to uh, Time Inc. Uh, Time Inc. Then sold it on to a private equity firm, uh, but we still do Drive on NBC Sports, uh, and that's the original crew that was part of the web content from the original days. Uh, Proving Grounds is a new show. We're going into our second season, which is going to air this this uh, this fall. Uh, and then we also do a show called which is out now. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's got eighties texts to open up the show. Yeah. And then you never address it for the rest of the That's show. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. We're all yes. on the same page. Sure we're on the same page. We have an eighties themed show this year that includes a DeLorean and some other. Oh, so stuff. you're on brand for okay. for once. Yeah. Okay. For one episode okay. of the two seasons. Okay. Uh, and then we also have a show called Off the Grid, which focuses on uh, this year uh, IndyCar, but past years it's it's focused on uh, Formula One and NASCAR as well. So. Uh, three shows this year, 21 episodes. Uh, yeah, and that's that's our editorial side. 21 of, episodes between all of them. All 21 episodes. That's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much. Well, good er for you. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> 21 right. episodes. Um, pretty much all airing this 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 fall. Now, and on top of that, you do four higher stuff. Yeah, and also the Apex. Yep, Apex. Film. Yep, yeah, yeah. So first film, Apex, the story of the hypercar, came out on, on uh, Netflix uh, three years ago. Uh, still there. And we have a second film called Apex, the, the Secret Race Across America, which highlights the story of the U.S. Express and Alex, Alex Roy's attempt with Dave Maher to go as fast as possible from New York to L.A. Uh, so that film's out this, this winter. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we do a bunch of Apex uh, web content as well. Um, you know, kind of, I, I use it as uh, like Halo content to keep the, the team sane. So a lot of my team spends a lot of time on the road doing stuff they don't always like to do. So we kind of have this outlet with Apex to just go have fun. So just to put that in perspective, 21 episodes on a network. Yeah. You're going to have to, just to make that volume, you're going to have to compromise on, on making it as cool as possible because you got to make a shoot in one day whether you you know whether you want to or not yeah there are going to be long days because you have to make music what you got so literally just to keep everybody happy 
you do what you call a halo project, which is like, guys, this is purely for us. It's fun. Correct. It's, it's something we can all be proud of, and we don't have to answer to anybody. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You need to have that. It's a, you know, right now, and I'll be kind of blunt about it, I have a morale problem with my team because they're making a lot of content, and it's not always the content they want to make. Um, so you have to be able to provide that outlet, that creative outlet for them to do what they want. You spend money on it. It's a loss leader, but at the same time, if it motivates them and refines their skills and keeps them, keeps them happy, you need to do it. Um, and that's what Apex is. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we've had a morale problem for like four seasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need a Halo project. Yeah, we do. Oh, wait, we have one. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so that's the, that's the full slate. Uh, we talked to several of your uh, employees. Yeah. Friends, friends. Friends. Associates. 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 Matt Hardegree yep. included. And he mentioned, he's like, ask him how many days he's been home this year. Not a lot. And so. right, right now it's Jan- uh, July 26th. Seventh, sure. Yeah, and I, I got home last night after leaving on July second. So oh, nice. Yeah, twenty-five days on the road in yeah. July. Yeah. Uh, so generally, it's it's May, June, and July, August, where it's majority of my time is away, and then December and November, November, December, January, I'm home and really depressed and sad. And bored. <laughs> yeah, that's generally how this works. Uh, one of my favorite people in the world who you used to work with, Tom Morningstar. Oh, God. Uh, he, he gave me a few things. Um, not everything I can say. <laughs> um, uh, this is, I think this is probably where you and I have quietly bonded over the years. Although don't, don't bring this up. I can't bring this don't up? Bring this up. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to hear it. Um, you know how I, I, I uh, have a friend in Germany? Yeah. Oh, I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Never mind. Let's you just say, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a break from my norm. Yeah. Next question? All right. <laughs> Next question. Shoot. You want to go for it? What does clam mean? Clam. Uh, well, lit up. Oh, yes. yes. So this is from Hardegree, I assume? I don't. Maybe. Not naming so, Matt's uh, name. So there's a, there's a, I think it's a drink called Claw. Is oh. White Claw? White Claw. Oh. Okay. So you got that from. So from Tom. I so thought you got it from Parker. Parker. Oh, That's I might Parker. have gotten it from Parker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Parker. Yeah. Parker. Uh, so, so we do Proving Grounds in the desert. Chuck Wall. We spend a week together. Yeah. Um, for three episodes at a time. So Chuck Wall is a shit track yeah, in Chuck, Southern California. It's a terrible track. Nowhere, but, right? but actually, it's great for our, our needs. Fine, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so we camp together. We, we live in the cabins together for a week at a time. They have so cabins there? They have cabins there, oh, yeah. That's cool. And every night, we go out under the stars. We watch the space station fly overhead. That's one of our things. Oh, that's cool. And Parker likes to bring lots of cla- uh, claw. White claw. White claw, yeah. which is a, <sighs> some kind of drink. And some, ca- some no, kind of no, drink. It's, a, it's like a wine wine cooler in a can. Right, right. It's right, today's right. wine cooler. Right. Basically. But for some reason, I don't know where it started, but it's it's now called clam. It probably, oh, that part. Okay. Yeah. So so the drink is now called clam, and everyone just talks and speaks as if. Is it because they're being funny when they say clam? I don't know. There's more to it because yep. it's spelled with a K. Yes. Uh, Kligerman. Kligerman clam, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, there, that's not that great of a story. This will probably get cut as well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we were we were hinted upon Spinelli, Tollbooth, and Cops. Yes. What is that? Uh, a recent story or... Uh, That's all we wait. got. Oh, you said recent, that means there's multiple. Okay, what's the problem with Spinelli and Tollbooths and Cops? It's fucking just the worst. <laughs> um, I was almost arrested in Morocco uh, <laughs> three weeks ago because oh, okay. I was trying to do the right thing. And Mike Spinelli is not very good with dealing with toll booths in any regard. Ha- is, that, he, what, is he from New Jersey? He is from New Rochelle, New York. 
Um, so he's around tolls. He just he fumbles with change. He fumbles with communication. He doesn't understand what has to happen in the exchange of money for a toll. How old is Mike Spinelli? Uh, 50, 51. Okay, yeah. so he's like a, an adult man. Yes. Right, yeah. but he's a writer, which means social interaction. Not so, a uh, he's on TV, though. Like, I mean, I like you, by now you should know toll booths. Yeah, but for the past three years of <laughs> traveling with him in international countries, we have had a lot of problems with toll booths with Spinelli. Culminating to the most recent this summer where uh, I paid for his toll booth yeah. uh, because he didn't want to deal with it. So we paid money. He was behind us. I let the oh, toll booth. Oh, you were smart enough to say, like, I'm paying guy. for the guy behind me. Yeah. Let me save my next 30 minutes. And was so in Morocco? Get, uh, in Morocco. Because you just know when you know it's a yeah, foreign yeah. country. So I, I take my receipt. I say, give the receipt to the guy behind. That's uh, a producer right there. It's right. like, I'm going to defuse this. We drive off, and we're in, like, a Ford Ranger. We drive ahead, and there's a gate yeah, that goes down, right? right? Uh, Spinelli takes it upon himself that as soon as we drive forward, he floors it out. Uh, and he doesn't know what you did. He does, well, he, he know, we've, we've done this already oh, three okay. times so far on okay. this journey and this, 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 this trip. <laughs> and he, for some reason, just decides to floor it and follow us uh, as the gate's closing, as the gate's coming down, and doesn't get the receipt or anything like that. And there's clearly a police checkpoint <laughs> 20 feet ahead of the toll booth. <laughs> the police see this and immediately... Does point he hit, at us. Does he hit the sign? Almost, yes, okay. almost. Okay. Immediately point at, point at us, go to the other side, and we just get started. We just get started. Are start, they packing? Uh, oh, yeah, totally. Oh, totally. yes. Okay. Um, getting yelled at in Arabic, and then proceeded by being uh, yelled at in French. At least we had someone who spoke French on our team, and they're like, give us the receipt, give us the receipt. You didn't pay for the toll. And we're like, here's the receipt. And he's like, where's his receipt? And we're like, he should have it. And they're like, no, he didn't, he didn't take the receipt. Like, well, we paid for it. We could just go right there and yeah, go get it. Right. It's like, like 20 feet down, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We could yeah. walk down and yeah, get yeah. it. So the as I'm, as I, uh, so the receipt I gave him, the, the officer, the Moroccan officer, takes it, squishes it up, drops it on the ground, and it starts to blow away. <laughs> so I bend down to try to grab it, and he grabs his gun, and he's like, points at me and says, no. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, this is getting out of hand. Yeah, right. What are we doing yeah, now? Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, long story short, uh, you know, we had to pay a fine of, uh, initially it was 800, 800, uh, whatever the, uh, not dinar. What's, what is it? Rand? No, dinar. I think it's dinar. Moroccan dinar. This is America, sir. Yeah. So <laughs> equivalent of $80, 80 US dollars. Oh, all right. Not the end of the yeah, world. It, uh, it was dinar until Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, we, we do a little bit of haggling, which is what you do with the police. Morocco. You, you haggle with everyone. Okay. And then eventually it gets to 40 U.S. Yeah, yeah. And he he, uh, he just takes the 40 U.S., gives us our passports back, and, and we leave. Nice. Um, but I think Morocco this year was my record in terms of how many bribes I've had to give, and to, had to, give to different nice. authorities and places. Nice. Because we had been stopped and, yeah, many times for various things that we weren't really guilty of, but they just knew that we they could take advantage of us. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So by this time, our road trip is probably out. Yeah. Um, you ever talk about it? Jamaica? Yeah. Yeah. So we went to Jamaica to do some video stuff. And we were told by multiple sources they love American dollars, so you don't need right. a Jamaican when they use their currency as a dollar. No, right, right. But it's a Jamaican version of it. And we learned very quickly that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Because the, let's just say the Jamaican math on the exchange rate 
varies from person to person and never in the Americans' favor. <laughs> yeah, that's um, exactly Had we right. had Jamaican dollars, we would, probably would have been fine. Yeah. But we lost, I would say, like $1,000 in total from just like, oh, that's uh, $20 US. Like, no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, but no. what are you going to do? Yeah, exchange rate. You're like, so, uh... Just in cash exchange, how much would you say you lose on these on these foreign projects? Uh, you guys have been everywhere, right? You've yeah. Been so, so in terms of money to fixers and money to just various situations, because it's, it's, you know, outside the U.S., it's just commonplace to just hand someone money to be able to get something done. Right. Um, $1,500 to $2,000 per, per, per trip. Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah, pocket yeah. money. Yeah. I always take a bunch of money out and hide it throughout different parts of the production kit. Okay. We did that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's sorry. exactly what we did. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, hide, you hide the money and you just keep money on hand to get through different yeah. bad situations. And yeah. We've had we've had some sketchy situations here and there, but it's just part of the story and it's part of the, part of what we do. And it actually, it's part of the world. I kind of enjoy it, you know? Yeah, you do when it's over. I, I've never been in a situation outside of one with Tom in, in Africa where I felt that I was ever yeah. truly in danger. What was the, what was the Tom Africa? It's the Tom Morningstar. Yeah, it's the Tom Morningstar. Yeah. Um, we used to work with you. Yeah, we were, in a, we, we were on a hot weather test drive for a manufacturer, and we said, hey, we might as well take an extra day and just drive north and see what it's like in the countryside. Of Africa. In Africa. Yeah. So we're in northern, northern South Africa in an area that um, we get to this fishing village that was clearly something was wrong and weird because there were a lot of Chinese people around, uh, a lot of Chinese. And, and if you don't know much about Africa right now, uh, China is investing a lot of money into Africa, huh. building infrastructure, building toll booths, building all this stuff, taking over fishing villages. Interesting. We were in this small little town that clearly was uh, not as well as it used to be. Um, and we went into a bar in which there was still segregation. Oh, uh, and uh, Tom wanted to get a beer. We got a beer, but we were in, obviously, a white bar. Uh, and it was not many people there. And we learned that the bartender was also the local prison guard. Um, and there was maybe two people in the in bar. And Tom uh, was very much like, I want to go to that bar, which was the black bar. Which was the other one, The black bar. They had music playing. It, looked, it totally looked like the place. <laughs> it was the place to be. Yeah, yeah, it totally looked like the place you would want right. to yeah. go hang out. Wait, and is Tom black? No. Okay. Is anybody Tom. in your crew black? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but Tom. Tom. Tom is like five foot five. Okay. Like froey hair. Like he's he's he is a white dude. Okay, I, I will sure, put yeah. it like this: We both grew up in New York, and and I, I myself, in terms of where I went to school, I was a minority as a white person. Okay. Um, and Tom himself, like in New York, like your race is, it just there's a melting pot here, so you don't really think too much of it. Right. Uh, and Tom is one of these guys who just doesn't see evil where he goes. Exactly. And he was insisting on going to the black bar. And the bartender, who was the prison guard, was, you go in that bar, your hand's getting cut off. What? Whoa. Uh, and Tom, he warned him of this. Yes. Okay. And Tom was like, oh, it looks like fun. It looks like everyone's partying. Everyone's, uh, yeah, you know what's fun? Having two you hands. You don't know local. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and it, it got a little. Wait, so what happened? Um, eventually, we calmed him down, and I think it was more the bartender was offended that he would want to go into that bar and uh, not stay in his bar. Sure, sure. And Wait, did it turn into no, I have to be right kind of scenario with Tom? Like, you don't yeah, know, I know. Yeah, yeah. It was de but that was, that was a scary moment. He could have lost a ham yeah, because just, he just had to be right. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> that night, uh, we ended up sleeping in the back of a pickup truck uh, in the middle of a desert because we didn't feel safe anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I got sunburned because I woke up just with the sun on my back. We were literally in the middle of the desert, like right. 60 miles from anything. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> Anyone ever walk, to you, uh, walk up to you with a machete? 
Yes. Oh, okay. So right. we're not, not, not that different. You and I. Not we thought we were cool. We not, do the same thing. No. <laughs> not that night, but uh, on that trip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Were they mean or were they just on no. their way home? Just no. that was our guy. Yeah, yeah. Machete <laughs> Steve was on his way home from work. He's yeah. like, oh, hey, man. We yeah. got stuck in the middle of nowhere in Kingston, or not in in, in the middle of nowhere, Jamaica. Outside of New Girl. We're sitting there with a flat tire waiting on some help that we'd called in. And this dude with machete just walks up to us and like didn't look nice and it was from afar mm-hmm. like sundown he's very sweaty because it's miserably hot yeah so he just looked like aggressive you know because he was working all day yeah, swinging yeah. a machete yeah. you know yeah, yeah, he's like jacked up and we're just like oh god yeah and and we didn't say hey how are you like come on over and right, talk right, so right, when he's right. walking to us it's like there's no reason to walk over here we're in the back lot of this area why is he coming towards us? Right. Also, that's a machete. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it turns oh, out he was actually, nice. Actually, the, the most threatened I've ever felt was in Oregon. Yeah, I had a guy pull a gun on us. Oregon State. Oregon State, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, pulling we, a gun on us. We, were, we yeah. were shooting on a very desolate road in the middle of some backwoods. Guy pulls up on a golf cart, like an ATV kind of thing. Yeah. And you're like, and sir, that's a microaggression. And, <laughs> and he's like, you're on my land. And uh. I'm like, no, this is a public road, and we have permits to shoot here. He's like, show me the permits. And I show him the permits, and you could tell, like, he saw that I was on the right place, right road. He's like, yeah. but you're standing off on the shoulder, and that's my land. And so he wants a fight no matter what I you get, do. I get yeah. to use my gun today. Yeah, 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 yeah. so he, he pulled his gun out, made it very clear, put it out on the dash, and said, you need to leave right now, or else there'll be trouble. And, yeah. Yeah, so most trouble I've ever had has been in the States, to be quite honest. In Oregon. In Oregon. Which every time I've ever been there has been amazing <laughs> and lovely. <laughs> I like Oregon, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Wh- which, which one of your guys did you give up? Yeah, who got shot? No one shot. No one got shot. No? Oh, that's just the left. No. It's not, wor- it's not worth dealing with. It's that's, again, where we're different. Intern. Yeah. yeah. It's not worth dealing with people like that. <laughs> uh, ask about how Proving Grounds was the show we pitched NBC thinking it was too crazy, and they'd say yes to another idea. Before you answer that, does this mean when you pitch, you pitch several ideas, and yes. one idea is like the obvious throwaway? Yes. Okay. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I thought that was just you that did that. What? He does the pitch three ideas. One's obviously a throwaway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was like Heckman genius. No, that's a standard industry practice. Okay, cool. Yeah, we I would love to take credit. So, JF, you're f***ing my game up today, dude. You've done so many things what to you're my carrying the, the Pelican you're carrying case. carrying a Pelican case. you got a lot of like, gear. It's like a lot of equipment. Is this necessary? F***ing JF. <laughs> Musio. <laughs> after, after so many seasons of drive and so many seasons of off the grid, NBC came to us and said, what would a third show look like? come to us with four ideas right um we had two good ideas one okay idea i think we, they'll like and one idea that we would love to have made but we knew they would never go for sure it. sure sure enough we pitched them the four ideas they take the one that we all love and we never thought they would go for but we had no idea how to execute ah, that's not I my see. life experience <laughs> okay at all. yeah my life is <laughs> yeah. like this is the one they want and i hate it but we have to include it and here's three great much better ones yeah no we want what you hate yeah. it's the first time <laughs> i've ever had where they 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 went for the show we never thought they would take and yeah. we didn't know actually how to execute it when they took it was this proving grounds yeah proving oh, grounds cool proving grounds was the, the initial pitch was so that was wacky for you well, the initial pitch was a little bit more tame from what it is today. The pitch was best, the modern-day best motoring. So you would think Proving Grounds is wacky? In its original form, it was more wacky than it is, yeah. Okay. Sean, they're mercenaries. They're mercenaries. <laughs> in hell, I should never have said <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah, you're right. We don't, don't need know. trouble. <laughs> I'm going to suggest you go on whatever streaming format it is that resulted on and watch our um, Tim Richmond special <laughs> that's out by now. Okay. I'm just curious what you think in terms of trying to pitch that to NBC. <laughs> Also, it might not exist. Yeah, also, <laughs> so I might be pitching something that might have been shut down. Continental, like Continental might have already turned that <laughs> off. After we already made it. Yes. So there's a rumor on the internet or in my text messages from Matt that Lee Keen crashed a car on Proving Grounds. He did. Yeah. One of, how many have we done over the years? 
28, 40, 46 cars. He's crashed one. Okay. It was his car. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> was kind of easier. One of the Safari 911s. Yep. yep. The oh, only car Lee has ever crashed was his own car. What did he? What did he? What? Where? Uh, first turn, he just threw it in and ran out of lock and couldn't didn't have enough power to get out of it and put it into half our barriers. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. And yeah. and for some reason, destroyed everything. And the first reaction from everyone on the crew was to cheer and applaud. Yeah! <laughs> and no one, asked how, no one asked how Lee was. No one asked right, what, yeah. Yeah. how was the car. Uh, and if you actually look at the raw footage, it's everyone sees it about to happen. And the moment it does, everyone starts laughing and cheering yeah. without actually knowing the extent of the damage to the car <laughs> early. <laughs> He's injured. Woo-hoo! Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. So we have another anonymous source. Um, <laughs> uh, his name is... Um, uh, Parker Kligerman. Um, uh, he says you have a rule on uh, filming drifting that you can get as many attempts as you want until you make a mistake. Yes. What does that mean? It's as simple as that. You, you can, I'll give, you know, I watch everyone in terms of who can slide and who can drift right. the so car. In other words, if you're drifting but there's obstacles around? Uh, if you put a wheel off. In the uh, dirt. A, oh, yeah. drifting around the track yeah. like for proving grounds. Yeah, yeah, for proving grounds. You put a wheel off. Uh, actually, it's two off. The rule is two off. You put two off, then you're out of the car. Simple as that. Two wheels or two one-wheel offs? No, two wheels off. Okay. Yeah, two yeah, wheels yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. So, so you can dip a wheel. Yeah, because it looks cool. Yeah, you can dip yeah. a wheel. It's Not fine, but you two put two wheels off, you're out of the car. Right. So inevitably, you guys, when you're doing proving grounds, it's like showing the car doing a round track, and then it's like, okay, now we have to. It's video, so we have to drift. Yeah. And so they can keep going as long as there's time. Yep. Until they're clearly tire, going uh, time and tire. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we tire is the most important part because changing a tire takes time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the hosts get their chance. Um, I watch them all, and that's one of the things I do. You know, I make sure like Parker's total totally capable. Sam's capable. Lee is capable, and obviously Chris is capable. Other people, I don't let slide anymore. Uh, they once did. They don't anymore. Um, uh, but as soon as you put two off, you're out, and someone else gets in. Yeah. Another one of our sources, uh, his name is uh, Thomas um, Evening Moon. Moon, <laughs> yeah. And, um, Moon Knight. He, I actually really like this, and I kind of want to steal this bit. Uh, not for me, but if, like, for, if I ever see you or, like, Bob the mechanic. Oh, yeah, yeah. This where apparently if they see drunk fans... Oh, f- <laughs> 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 Apparently, they will pull you to the fans and be like, you guys want a photo with them? Yeah. As though you're somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And they're there stuck. are hundreds of photos of me standing with people that don't know who I no am. No clue. Yeah. Have I have no idea who I move. am. Yeah. And they take photos with me and these drunk fans. Yes. Nice. I love every bit of this. And yes. so that means your face is like, probably posted several dozen times on Facebook. With like, I don't know who he is. But yeah, 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 yeah. So, so. It's Tom's move. He'll take their phone, right. yeah. take a photo of me, and then take a phone so he has his proof of it. <laughs> yes. And then t- instructs them to post it online, and then, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So That's a good one. Tom's yeah. my guy. I, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Um, How do you know iced tea and cocoa? I changed iced tea's uh, tire on the side of the Ohio Turnpike once. Uh, what? Yeah. Like he texts you? Yeah. No, like, we were on. We were Musile. <laughs> we were on an event. We were on an event uh, years ago, and he got a flat tire in a V8 Vantage. Okay. And oh, like a sort of a yeah mass street drive. Cavil- so uh, it was like a, a rap, It was like a bull run kind of thing. And yeah. he got a flat tire in a Vantage, and for some reason, I remembered that the bolt pattern on a Vantage is the same as a Lexus. <laughs> and yeah. I had right. a Lexus rental car, and I was able to put my. On his Vantage, and he drove and Change that. Like yeah. You're able to put your spare tire. Yeah. 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 Say yeah. that instead of the other thing you oh, said. Oh, sorry. What did yeah. I say? 
Oh. <laughs> the name that will not be repeated. <laughs> so I was the only one that stopped to actually see does how he, he was doing. Does Ice-T oh. live in your phone? Uh, no, but oh. his contact does. Okay. Uh, and he actually is in our new movie. Oh. Because of that incident. His contact, not Ice-T, though. No, yeah, Ice-T. Like Ice-T's yeah. handler. Yeah. Yeah. Ice-T Ice Ice did the voiceover for the next Apex. No sh yeah. Good for you. That's yeah. how it works. Okay. Okay, so we need a spike strip. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. hang out somewhere near you where you live. So yes. we have a mutual friend. Yeah. You probably know him. His name is? Randy. Andrew. Sally. Sally. Andy Lally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it a continental shoot? No, I, I don't remember. I think it, it might have been like road and track or something yeah, like that. He was doing some, some he was, commercial or video thing. Yeah, he, he had a shoot coming up. It didn't involve me, but because, you know, I do video work, he he and I were talking about what he should expect or whatever. So uh, uh, so I asked him the next day, like, oh, how'd it go? First thing out of his mouth was, ah, they were being a real with the drone <laughs> and I instantly was on the side of the drone pilot <laughs> I was like yeah whatever was happening I'm on his side <laughs> so my thing is like okay race car driver who's not accountable nor ever flown a drone yeah. um, but also you, like well being yeah, yeah, yeah like, uh, like okay you cool they were being with the drone but uh, one you've never flown it and two like they know the shot they need so shut up uh, but the other thing is they crash that's anywhere between four and ten grand, yeah. you know, yeah. or more. Yeah. And um, and for all we know, like this was something a perk they were adding to the shoot that no one was actually contracting right. them to do. Right. But Andy Lally said you weren't getting close <laughs> enough for something that he knows nothing about. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like instantly on the side of the. I just yeah. flew there. a drone right into a Baja truck three weeks <laughs> yeah, ago. It's easy to do. <laughs> I came I came probably a foot from hitting Spinelli in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do. And, and the, what I don't think we realize with drones is like you think you've got it, you're all confidence until it goes wrong, and then you realize how quickly the it goes things away. you don't account for is the is, yeah that's what kills the, drones. It's the latency of the video feed right, right, of what right. is actually we, happening. I, I'll send you the shot, but I almost hit Spinelli right in the face. But you hit a truck with it. I hit the, the top of the, the actually the roll bar. How much did that cost? Well, the best part about it is that not only did I uh, drone was fine. Oh, what? It hit. Son of a bitch. It hit. It flipped and it landed. Okay. And there was another camera on the car as it was driving. Yeah. So the camera actually has a shot of the drone oh, getting dude, hit by the and flipping and then landing. Yeah. That's good. So footage. I got two angles on it. That's yeah. Oh, it made it, it's making the episode. Yeah, yeah. I believe. Sorry. Yeah. It made the episode. Yes. I get it wrong. We lose thousands. You get it wrong. <laughs> you have amazing footage. Yeah. This is our life. These lives. guys are awesome. Uh, so of your, we'll just go with Lee Parker and Sam from from Proving Grounds. Are any of those guys ever the quit being a with the drone? Guy, no, never. Or are they like you? You know what you're doing. No. Okay. No, have no. you had any Andy Lally's show up in your time? No. If anything, I think Lee pushes us further than I think we're comfortable with with some of. Well, the but shows. that's Lally. Well, then there it is. But yeah, to the point, we're yeah. like, dude, you're not. This is my livelihood. Yeah. If we f this up. Uh, but but uh, the, there's actually a shot. You, do you know Driven the movie? Yeah. Yeah. You know how that's he how dare he had you. to. Sorry. Well, the documentary. You mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. The um, the scene where they have to hit the quarter or tries to pick up all the quarters. Okay. Uh, Lee wanted to try that. Oh, that's adorable. And, uh, Why do you let me do stuff like this? Because <laughs> you're too busy carrying Pelican cases. That's right. So we set up. Kinda, I was kind of on Lee's side with this, but I found out after the fact that everyone was very upset that we did this. Because you wasted time. It's on. So at the end of the day, but I put our cameras at huge risk. Ah, yeah. Uh, he did it, he hit, and it's in the episode. Um, but, yeah, he was slid knocked it killed it right away oh and camera was maybe a foot off yeah uh, from the exit of the turn and yeah 
but that's the kind of shit that like I tend to push boundaries at the end of the day when I. So it sounds like you're a reckless leader because you were okay with it. I'm re- I'm reckless. <laughs> you I'm hit reckless. a, a bar truck. I'm re- yeah. <laughs> I'm reckless at the end of the day after we have everything else. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 I got what you the need. The one more shot. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I laugh when I hear stories of other companies or other editorial brands who write off car, who legitimately write off cars yeah. with drift shots on the first thing they do in the day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm 100% on board. That's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's happened more times than not. And that's, that's, that's pathetic and sad. And right. It's really it's stupid because sense. everything you do is about eliminating risk. You shoot as much as you can to have as much content as you possibly yeah. can. And you do the risky stuff at the end of the day. Yeah. And knock on wood, we've never, we've never, and the, to not give away the end of the story with Lee crashing the car, like there was minimal damage on that. We've never actually wrecked a car. Right. So. What's your risky shot policy? So for example, if there's a, Putting somebody at risk in terms of where they're standing on track. What are my policies? I'm the one that does those. Yes, me too. Is that you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't ever let anyone get into an impact zone or anything like that. Unless it's you. Yeah. yeah. So it's always it's, it will be always. Me. Don't yeah. watch our Jamaica video. <laughs> 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 um, no, you you never put any of your employees in a place that. Yeah, and I and and quite honestly, I spent so much time around a track. I, you, like you can see what a car is doing before it actually yeah, happens right. based off of the position of the front wheels. So I want to I want to get your take on, or I'd like to get your advice to young kids trying, because I'm sure you go through a fair amount of like location specific people. Like if you're shooting in California, or yeah, for you you're based here. If you're shooting something in like Northern California, you're going to get like local interns and PAs and stuff. Is that not right? always? No, no, we always fly our people. Okay, well, we don't have a budget, so what we do <laughs> must be nice. Yeah. Um, all right, but you've—I'm assuming you've worked with PAs that were like not your r- normal people. Yes, yes. And if I'm like, let's say it's me, and I'm just a PA, and I'm showing up to work with you for the day on proving grounds in the middle of nowhere, what are you looking for out of me, and what are you absolutely not looking for out of me? First and foremost is communication, okay. the ability to communicate, and and not just randomly run off and do something without anyone knowing it so communication is key being able to say uh and ask questions that's part of communication um what should i be doing how should i be doing it and never be afraid to speak up and okay i'm doing this right now this is where i am so on and so forth so communication is like critical point number one no matter what what about in the moment feedback with that communication like an idea guy who you've known for two minutes Oh, f- that. No. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, like, don't yeah, go yeah, too yeah, far. Because, yeah. like, if yeah, you have yeah, an yeah. intern, like, well, I was thinking, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. You get that, but then they're immediately just kind of brushed off and ignored. Yeah. Um, uh, the best people I've ever worked with were the people that were quiet in the early days and watched and learned. Yeah. And then they, they, they made their comments privately uh, and, and spoke up where they felt they, they could um, and then felt they had a good reputation with the rest of the team before yeah. they actually spoke up. And, and, right. and they get their feedback at a calm, appropriate moment. Correct. Not yeah. when you're about to hit record. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Weird. Sean likes to talk about this a lot, but I agree with it completely that in racing, there's a good amount of ball busting to kind of keep a natural pecking order yes. going. And if it didn't happen, it would kind of let people be a little bit more free to speak when they shouldn't yet. You know, like if yeah. you're like the new guy in the team, you don't get to be the badass, smartass because you're still the new guy. Yes. And I'm assuming that probably still works in your like in your world. And I say this because when I did that thing with you guys at Indy, there was a younger guy on your team that was standing around bullshit with everybody. And you were like, hey, grab a camera, film something. <laughs> and he was like, oh, sh-, you know, because he was being the man about town. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's what we would do too. Yeah. You know, and is that, do you think that's a real thing? Like you have to be able to take some shit. Yes, absolutely. But that sets the pecking absolutely. order. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think all of us and, and in the early days, I took from everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to be, and, and at the same time, it's also, you see who can take, who can take it. Yeah. Um, because 
not everything that happens is good. You know, there are, there are situations that go wrong and you want to be able to see how they respond to stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get shit from clients all the time. I, you know, it's about how you respond to that stress. Right. That's telling. Rutledge Wood said this to me once. He's like, the good thing about your job is that at the end of the day, you're going to have to do the lap time. Yeah. And in my world, you can edit an idiot to look pretty decent. And he's like, and I deal with a lot of people that get edited to look amazing, but they don't put any of the work in. Correct, yeah. And in my world, you can edit an idiot to look pretty decent. And he's like, and I deal with a lot of people that get edited to look amazing, but they don't put any of the work in. Uh, on the hosting side, especially, like, like I, I suspect, like Rut was suggesting, is is we make a lot of people who are terrible on camera look good, and they think that they've got this self uh, element of self entitlement yes. because they looked good on camera. Yeah. But I don't think they recognized how much editing went sure. into making them look good. Yeah. I've been in, in in timelines where I had to stitch a sentence together for that person to even sound coherent. <laughs> Um, and they looked great. <laughs> Try <laughs> 90 minutes of podcasting <laughs> with uh, beep. <laughs> um, generally, when you have like professional drivers, you don't really have that problem. But yeah. when you have people who are influencers, right, you know, right. coming up, like they, they're a lot of them are actually quite bad on camera. Yeah. Um, on the production side, yeah, same thing. I, I've got, I've had, I've had people I've hired for X day rate, um, and they were. They were, I would consider them a B camera operator. Mm-hmm. So not the best, not the best uh, by any means. Right. Don't use them for a while. Um, I would use, I would then call them up, uh, let's say six months later, and they're like, well, my, my rate's actually triple now. I've gotten a few, I've got, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I'm, I, I'm just going to be a cinematographer, uh, a TP. Um, I want somebody to handle all my gear. I oh, need wow. To, I need to can't, I've had this. Yeah. I've had this. Yeah. Uh, I need someone to handle all the media. I don't want to touch media. I just want to shoot. I'm sitting right here, JF. <laughs> no, but, but, right. but, but I've had situations where people said, like, uh, I, I don't like your shoots. Like, they're too, they're, they're too kind of... No, loose. They're too. They're too not professional. I guess you can say. Like they're laid back. Too laid back. Um, you've seen. Yeah. Both of you have seen our production. I say, right? Yeah, I had a great time. And well, um, you know how I operate. <laughs> like I can't criticize. And, they, and they've and they've said like, you know, I want to be more highbrow. I want to be paid a lot more for what I do. Oh, no shit. Okay, go ahead. Go yeah. do that. And then why are you two years down. Two years. <laughs> yeah, two years down the road, they're like, hey, do you have any work? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Seriously, yeah. because they they realize you know. Uh, the, the, a lot of people think they, they, oh, they a lot of people overvalue their, their quality. And in the two industries that we're both in, I guess uh, technically because we're both in the automotive stuff and now I, I'm a production guy now. I don't know if you know about this. It's a pretty big deal. Um, there's a gazillion people that can do what we do and it's an honor and a privilege in a lot of cases to get to do what we do. So like I am under no qualms that I'm replaceable at my racing job because there's another hundred kids that can do exactly what I can do. And maybe my certain personality or contacts have gotten me where I have or whatever. Um, but I'm not under no qualms that when I do a fast lap that like Andy can't get in the same car and do the same lap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, because I figured, no, he can do it too. So I better not be an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, we're all yeah, replaceable. Yeah, 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 you can exactly, use exactly. What? Well, <laughs> not in my heart. <laughs> nah, in your heart. Yeah, in my heart. No, but, but, but I think more than anything else, I think people will need to recognize, especially in, in this industry, uh, the relationships go a long way and you were your word means more than one would think. Yeah. All right. I want to do a couple of things that you may have to think about. Sure. I need to know whether it's network or a client. Favorite worst note. <laughs> uh, favorite worst note. So do you mean like that you've made a, made a bit, sent it, and then yeah. they've had feedback? That, yeah. So okay. in any, whether it's a network or a commercial client you're right. going to work for, there's a notes process okay, where you I do see. the first draft, yeah. they send you, you know, and then they send you feedback within however long. And 
this is where you have to be very careful with what clients you're working with because of especially bigger companies, OEMs, marketing agencies, things like that. There's usually a team of people and part of their job is to respond. Uh -huh whether they have any feedback or right, not. So right. sometimes it's just the fact that they have to show that they're working. So, so justifying you, their job. Yeah, so yeah. you get feedback that maybe they don't actually have, but they just have to justify their existence. So favorite worst note? Favorite yeah. worst, like what's the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Change the music. <laughs> That's in every video. I know, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean change the music? Yeah. Yeah, what we, what's yeah, the tower? Yeah. <laughs> what does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, uh, but you want a detailed one. I assume. Well, is there okay, one so, so change the music is probably the most common. Most common, yeah. And yeah. it's frustrating because I assume you're setting your edit to that music. You set the edit and, and it's also, well, describe what you want. Right. Give me an example of what you want. Yeah. Um, well, just kind of a new age, kind of old school, <laughs> kind of hip, yeah. kind of classic. Yeah, what are the kids like? New age, but retro. Music's the hardest part. Yeah. Music's yeah, yeah. the hardest part. And it sets the pace of everything you're <clears> doing. <throat> so if they change it, it always sucks. Yeah, uh, there are also notes about, can you make this person uh, look happier? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've had that a few times. Okay, cool. Uh, do, you, do you do a lot of shoots where the client is in the video? Uh, like specifically, like you're answering to one person in the radio video? In the no, video? Okay. Not, not really. No. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves because I can't stand when 90% of the notes are on them. Yeah, I, I don't let my host actually review the content until almost at the end of the process. Huh. Yeah. So with, with Chris or Spinelli or... For once, you gave a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you and I actually shared our, our worst client. It was... <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> it was an automotive brand. Correct. And uh, what, what was the feedback you got? Uh, I think it had the, the worst part of that particular project had to do with um, the vehicle at hand did not sound great. Um, they wanted us to make the car sound better. Uh, the, from but, the native audio yeah, of their car. But we were not allowed to replace the audio. We had to be genuine to the real authentic audio of the car. So the note was keep the audio, but make it better, but don't change it. Correct. Go on. Yeah. So it was, you have to use the actual audio of the car, but this doesn't sound good. So in first thought, my mind would go to, well, maybe the capture wasn't good enough. Maybe we didn't capture the audio good enough. Um, but going through it and, and knowing the particular car at hand, it was exactly as the car sounded. The capture was fine. So I couldn't make the car sound any better. The car was captured as it really is. And being asked to make the car sound better than it really was without actually replacing it with something that was better. It's, it's, it was impossible, but right. that, was, that was the ask, yes. So what was your feedback? Did you... I just laid it out like that. So uh, we do a pass-along question, yep. and uh, we had dinner the other night with uh, young Mr. R.J. Valentine. I'm sorry? Sorry. Young Mr. R.J. Valentine. Correct. From Boston. And uh, his question for you was... I'll do it all again. <laughs> well, it's not your show. His question was... <laughs> his question was... Dave Despain, what the f*** is that guy doing now? Oh, what is he doing now? Wait, you're not... <laughs> <laughs> I like that he's answering it. He's like, what is old I Dave don't, You know, here? I don't know. I have, I'm sorry, right. he did a, a speed tunnel. Or speed, wind tunnel. Wind tunnel. Speed wind tunnel. tunnel. Sorry, wind tunnel. I would redo that again. <laughs> <laughs> wind tunnel, yeah. How to alienate all your fans. <laughs> Same of that great show with that He was literally guy. checked out when we were asking him, like, okay, JF, he does a lot of videos. You don't know him. He's, like, looking at his phone because he didn't know what he was doing. Oh, and he so was looking, looking at our guest list. He's like, oh, Dave Despain, what the f***? What's he doing? Like, 
I Good guess enough. that's the question. Good enough. All right. Yeah. I have to ask the question. All right. We'll see if we allow it. No. Is that what? Is that what? We, we don't know who our next guest we is. Don't know oh, our next okay. If you want to ask a random a question, one. you can. If you have like a generic thing, you sometimes ask. Where are you going to be in five years? Um, what's the worst state you've left the hotel room? Oh, that's, that's a, a very question. good one. Where the f*** have you been? So, you know, you're, you're sort of man about town when it comes to uh, automotive video. And a lot of your videos are hosted. Have you gotten any ridiculous reach outs from hosts really trying to get in good with you? Yes. Yes, I have. Names? Uh, a bunch of hot rodders. People who were once on TLC. All those guys. Uh, they all, all reach those, out to you. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of those. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a lot of people who were once on like Discovery Channel and TLC reaching out yeah. like, to, to do automotive stuff. Right. Uh, weirdest? Have oh, I, ha- I have the strangest one of them all. Yes. Rami? I have several emails and email exchanges with Tom Green. The Tom Green? Tom Canadian Green, Tom Green. Wanting to be on Drive. Oh, and why not? He's yeah, cool. what are you waiting on? Yeah. Uh, well, when it actually came down to, and he admitted this uh, entirely in an email chain. Yeah. Uh, what it really came down to was him just trying to get a free car every week. <laughs> hey, I'm, more on, I'm more on board with Tom Green. We can do that. Yeah, like, yeah right. him on the podcast. He was a big fan of Drive, and he was, um, he was like, I see you guys just always have cars. Can I get on in on that? I'm like, are you going to make a show out of it? He was like, well, I can post some photos and stuff. Like Tom Green. Tom Green. Yeah. <laughs> What's his following up to right now? I don't know. Worth Let's it. see. Tom Green, yeah. Influencer. Influencer. He's a disruptor. Uh, In fact, he is. <laughs> he actually did, yeah. Who's the most honest person you've ever dealt with? Honest? Honest. No one in motors. No, no, that's not. There is somebody that I'm like, shit, who? Fault? At least on the show, do you mean? Yeah, on I the show. Saying, I'm like, there's something. I, Who's the most? I need to look at the list, but they're like, we've had people. Randy Lanier. Like, Holy, Randy Lanier. Randy Lanier. Really? Who did 27 years yeah. for being a weed. That man has yeah, no, yeah, secret. yeah, yeah. no secrets. Yeah, because he did his time. He has nothing to hide. Yeah. yeah. What about not on the show in motorsports? Most honest Andrew person? Slavin. Great wow. answer. Formerly C.J. Wilson Racing, yeah. the guy that runs that for him and now owns it. Andrew yeah. Slavin is probably the most stand-up guy I've done in a while. Yeah. Sure there are more. Uh, Kevin Buckler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I went, did a little uh, digging on you, and I went to your personal YouTube page. And there's a video you shot, I think, just out of being a nerd, of the shuttle on top yeah. of the 747. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. You know, because it flew up and down the Hudson, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And what did you shoot that on? Uh, HVX, years ago. Okay. I, I just basically yeah. lived. I, That's when I, it came I, down. It would have been like 2010, 2011. 2010, yeah. I yeah. lived right by the river, right, right by the Hudson River. Yeah. And I was like, fucking shuttle's flying over. Yeah. I'm going to walk outside and shoot it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, not, you're not doing that for anything other than like just. The coolness of it. Yeah, right. And to capture that moment. That's, yeah. that's a rare moment. And yeah. you put it on your personal YouTube page. Have you checked the comments on that? No. <laughs> why? Because there's, there's a couple. I don't know why, but we're going to go down the list of them. Okay. There's three that stood out. There might only be three. Oh, okay, there's only three. But the very first comment is from Dick Cheese 663 <laughs> And in his words, if I used his, you know, how he wrote it, that belongs here in Houston, Texas, <laughs> not in dumb Yankeeville. Okay. Comment number two, and this one's a bit of a word. Dan Fredrickson writes, don't applaud this live a vehicle. ET visitation to Earth is, a real, is real and has been covered up since at least 1940. In rocketry, it's a cardinal sin to have dead weight, yet the space shuttle is a 50-ton dead weight. It's like trying to meet cafe standards with a car by having an anchor. The shuttle's singular merit is that it can bring Breck stuff it finds in space, no doubt a CIA NSA requirement. As a lifter, it's beyond appalling. But you flag masturbants love it. Say, just like sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Flag masturbants is 
Hashtag flag masturbants. Has, yeah, put that Everyone out there. Everyone tweet JF Musile <laughs> yeah. and put flag masturbants. Yes. We're going to ruin your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third comment from Effect wrote, please just go back in your hole. <laughs> what have you done to people? I don't know. How many followers on your private YouTube page? Do I don't you have? know. I don't know. It didn't seem like it was a big. I don't know. Th- yeah. I don't know. Where does this come from? I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. That's it's just like, what is this guy doing? Like, are you on YouTube forums? Like, yeah. They hate me from Drive pretty so, much. So where this goes is internet haters. We haven't really rocked the boat, so to speak, with our show because we're not reviewing products mm-hmm. or anything like that. And you guys are. And I'm sure you've had opinions on cars that weren't what someone likes because they like their personal thing. Yep. What's the biggest tirade of shit you've gotten? Like you call it a Corvette. Oh, shit. Or something. Yeah. It's, it's actually it's on the, it's on the Porsche set. Uh, more than not, it's it's people. It's it's the it's the nerds that have nothing better to do with their time and yeah. get into the details of like, oh, you showed a nine nine seven two C four S, not a not a C C two S. Like, oh fuck, what the fuck? <laughs> you gotta be kidding me with this, yeah. Right. And I find a lot of the expertise is more based on um, people that don't understand the big picture. Not so much of like, forget about the shot, but expertise on what it takes to put these things together. Right, 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 right. We just got shit about the Holiday Inn we're staying in. <laughs> Like with somebody who was like, "Why did you stay on that?" She's like, "Cause it was 150 dollars." Like yeah, we were on a budget, man. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's the same drill. I was very worried about you in that hotel. I got to be honest. <laughs> you didn't really call her anything though. So how worried were you? <laughs> <laughs> um, generally, the the biggest the biggest hate I got uh, on the drive with with drive stuff was related to going behind a paywall more than anything else. Going behind uh, a what? Behind a paywall. Oh, no, we got to pay for this content? Yeah, you got to pay for this content. You've been doing oh, this for free. Oh, when you for went s- to YouTube, yeah. Drive Plus is what yeah, you yeah. called it, right? Oh, you, you've been doing I this for free this. for, for yeah. five years. Now you got to pay for it. And like, yeah, we got to make money. The yeah. dollars aren't yeah. there anymore. Yeah. And by the way, you keep fucking stealing it. So, of course, we're going to have to yeah, right. well, it's like you've been getting, like, it's we. So, we've been actually, that is where the my joke came from. Our joke. Which one? That is where our joke came from. Uh when we keep saying thanks for the free podcast. Oh, yeah. No, because I, yeah. I actually remember when you made the switch. Because I was like, oh, good for him. Because I figured, oh, more revenue. And I just saw this endless <laughs> sea of people who hated they had to pay like some very reasonable amount of money. a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they'd been watching hours and hours of free video content yeah. for years. Yeah. That's actually where the Because yeah. I was like, the right. day may come where we have to charge for what we're yes, doing. So I want to establish right. this joke now. Yeah, that's right. Now so that when that. we ever charge, yeah. people yeah. know that they were getting a free podcast. So we you, had a lot of bits. Your, your ratio <laughs> of conversion is going to be like 1%. That's what we saw. So it's worth wow. it? Wow. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so a million, million dollars. dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, the biggest, that was the biggest hurdle. Right. Uh, we had 6 million, 7 million, peop- 7 million people uh, getting content for free. Yeah. And they were getting all this content, and we, the ad dollars kept getting weaker and weaker because as more content went on YouTube, the value of that content got less and less. So mm-hmm. what was once a dollar was then 95 cents. And then before you know it, just throwing numbers out there, if we were making $50,000 a month in ad revenue in the early days, it became less than $5,000 by the end. It just wasn't worth it anymore. Yeah, right. So switching over to a subscription model was the only way it could su- survive. Right. And we did it, and our goal was a 1% conversion off of 2 million subscribers, mm-hmm. and it worked. Uh, and that's why it eventually got sold, and, and people were very upset, the fact that they had to pay for it. And that's actually, in the grand scheme of things, and, and our earlier discussions from what we did earlier today, it's actually what I'm most concerned about because the quality content is inherently always going to be behind a paywall. Yeah. yeah, right, right. The ad dollars are going away, and when you look at, let's just take news media as a whole right now. Yeah. <laughs> just take news, that free. Let's just take news media as a whole right now, like whether it be you're on the far left or the far right, whether it be 
what is a NPR or Fox News, right? Both of the, or not NPR, because uh, uh, MSNBC, like those two sides of it, they have to feed their audience. Right. And in order to feed their audience, they have to feed them exactly what they want in order to get the, the viewership so they get the ad dollars. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to continually stay on both sides of the spectrum in order to keep their base, in order to keep their revenue, right. to, keep, to keep getting paid. But the, the, the ultimate sacrifice of that is that the quality of that content will keep degrading and degrading and degrading and degrading until it's just useless, stupid crap. Right. And I, I worry that the, the more intelligent, actual useful content is going to be in this middle ground of rather this behind the paywall stuff where you have to pay for quality content because mm-hmm. that's the only way those journalists or those people are going to be able to make right, that content right. is if you pay for it. And I, it's like we're, we're creating these two separate societies, the people who can afford content and can, be, can afford to educate themselves versus the, the people who uh, watch content that is ad-supported and it's not good content. Um, and that's really concerning. I, I think personally that's my, my long-term concern for our society. Right. Um, it's just knowledge is, is going to get expensive. Sorry for taking this down to be too serious. Pretty deep. And dick jokes. Captain. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Mama Mushul. Lofsky. Um, Lofsky. Uh, the other way. <laughs> Ski love. <laughs> that would be my father's name, but okay. okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, All right. Uh, okay. So let's just go with mom. JF's mom. JF's mom. Mama JF. Uh, this is this a real job you have? Does she believe this is a real job? She doesn't think this is a real job, no. Yeah, yeah. Has she ever said your little show? Said my little show? Yeah. Like, How's your uh, little show going? Uh, no, she's never done that, but she doesn't mm-hmm. really understand what the show is. I, I don't even think she knows I have. I produce really? television shows. Okay. Yeah. She knows about the movie, but she doesn't know about the NBC shows. Does she get very excited in pro career when it's explaining it to her friends? Uh, He's I, doing really good. He's got the big movie. Uh, I don't think she fully understands it for for her to be able to do that. Yeah. Is that how she talks, by the way? Because in our head, my she's mother, like my, eighty yeah. years old from yeah. uh, from oh JF, JF's got the movie. She's, yeah, she's like really she's, well. she's basically female uh, Adam Sandler's mom's voice. She's up there. She knows I travel a lot. That's all she knows. And okay. she, she appreciates she appreciates mm. the fact that I'm seeing the world. Does right? she? she oh, so she likes. She's not worried about how. No, much no. Uh, she worries, but she's like, I'm happy you're oh, actually yeah, seeing places see I never got to see. Good to see. All right. In your world, who who do you think does it right? Like what other like who what JF is out there that's doing it right right now? Uh, Luke Huxum out of Japan. Okay. Yeah, I think he makes he makes excellent automotive content. Uh, he's an Australian living in Japan. I respect and I really like his work and um, he does a good job. Uh, I have a great job, so I respect him a lot. Um, and and honestly, I really respect. Uh, Richard Porter and Willman and Clarkson from Top Gear. Uh-huh, sure. I really do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they 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 define the industry. Yeah. Um, and and to a certain regard, I think. Um, uh, I would say Zort as well. Jeff Zort. Yeah, Jeff yeah, Zort yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Who's like Mr. Porsche everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you? For me. Uh, so. I have to figure out after we get this this first dock out and uh, first dock out. Sorry, second dock out. Sorry, let me repeat next that. apex. Yeah, the next apex out. Um, once I get that out, I want to figure out what the third one is. Um, I think it's going to involve uh, involve the EV industry. Okay. All um, oh, right. Yeah. I think that what's going on with Pinafrina right now and Remac is very fascinating, and interesting because they're re- 
they're really kind of shifting the way cars are being built. Sure. Um, and adopting an Apple model. Okay. Um, where they don't actually own any of the factories. They don't, own the, they don't actually own the tooling. They own the design. They own the technology. I think that's fascinating. Um, and I also would love to get, uh, I think in the next 10 to 15 years, I'll see myself getting more into the commercial space industry and covering more of that story. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's, that's going to... Yeah, it's definitely going the right direction. Yeah. Uh, in terms of personally, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Uh, I personally have a heart attack on an airplane. No, probably. <laughs> I want to spend more time here in New York. Yeah, I think for the past ten years I've been away too long, and I've really missed the city. You mean home? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, cool. All right. So, a lot of our fan base wouldn't necessarily know your name. Um, they just, just that on, sweet ass. on design. <laughs> I generally don't like being in front of the camera. I don't like having my name out there. Yeah, I, don't, I get that. I don't like no, that you didn't make a show all about yourself. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> um, but uh, what what would you want the legacy of, of people listening to this to to leave with them? Legacy of, of of you of me. What would you want your legacy to be with with people who listen to this episode? Oh, that's, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't care. I really don't care. Fuck your audience, said JF. Yeah. Fuck you no, guys. no, I know. Yeah. It's just, it's just. Don't watch this. Watch I, my I, stuff. I think, I think what I've learned from my life is like I had this, I had this path. I thought, and I was groomed to become an engineer, right? And and I took that real risk right out of college to just do something I really loved. I started my own company when I was 21 years old. I uh, I built a team. I took a lot of risk, and I think it's important for anyone at a young age, especially in their early 20s. I I, I think it's important. As um, I, th- I think it's important that as everyone is very consumed by media, to realize that there are still risks to be ha- to, to be taken, and people should take those risks. I, I think it's important that uh, young twenty-year-olds, twenty, twenty-five-year-olds, like it's okay to fuck up, and it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to do something you really love because it could turn into a job. I think that's really important because if I would hate to have a society of people living behind desks and doing stuff that they don't love, but they think that that's what they were supposed to be doing, which is how I was groomed to live of this is what you should be doing. You come from a family of architects. You should be an architect or an engineer. I would love just for people to recognize like you can do whatever you want as long as you work hard at it and you try your, you try your best to um, do everything you can to just be happy. Yeah. Life lessons with JF. <laughs> the ageist son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah. Um, how do you think our show's going to go? This one? Oh, well, not the podcast necessarily. Our show. How do you think our video series is going to go? Uh, that's for you guys to decide. I don't know how much. I love, I, well, I love the it's concept. It's out now. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's going to go great. Um, it's going great. Been seeing things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> f- me. I can't. <laughs> I can't believe you guys did that one thing. <laughs> Yo, that, that, that interview you got, I don't know how you got it. I cannot believe you actually had, an, uh, had that prop made. And yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Sure. How is the show going? How do you feel? I'm, I'm always indifferent on these. I don't. All right. Well, uh, you have a lot of integrity, but we are 100% advertorial. Solo. And uh, so I'm going to say Continental Tire. That is Continental Tire who paid for this entire podcast. Content. In. in- Content, yeah, mental, uh, yeah. We disrupted, we disrupted the podcast game. Well, we're no mercenaries. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. We do kill some tire sales. But Continental Tire, 
has the check. He's just flicking me. I'm finished. Thanks again one last time to JF Musual. And again, be sure to check out any of his uh, Apex films, which are available on a number of different uh, video providers, as well as, of course, all the NBC sports programming that will be coming out on his end throughout 2020. We'll end this with uh, Let Yourself Go by Midnight Riot, available on musicbed.com.